Oh my goodness, we are back one more time. Hello, Rise Guys. Rise Gals. Hello to you too. Everybody gets a hello. It's time for Mad About Mad About You. It's that time. You didn't realize it was that time because you didn't check your watch properly. You didn't have a watch because it's 2017 and you just look at your phone for the time, right? Are you asking me? <laughs> yeah, I'm asking you. <laughs> Speak on behalf of the Rise Guys and Rise Guys. I didn't tell my mom there. to stop buying me watches as presents because I don't wear them. <laughs> I did. I have two. I have two beautiful watches. One from both from when you retired. When I, <laughs> yeah, one cheap gold watch from when I retired from the bomb squad. And uh, <laughs> well, that's the only reference I can remember. I only learned about gold watches as a retirement gift from Speed. <laughs> That's the uh, bomb squad. Right. Everybody, this is Mad About Mad About You, a uh, Mad About You recap podcast where we talk about Mad About You and a only little. Mad About You. <laughs> My name is Russ Fader. I'm John Marbley. John, what else did you learn from Speed? Shoot the hostage. <laughs> sure. Uh, some Sometimes baby strollers are just filled with cans. <laughs> Cans. It's cans. It's just cans. I did a show. I don't know what I, voice or, you're doing, but I wish that actor played that part because what a my, weird movie that would be. That's my Keanu impression. Cans. Of that scene. Cans. cans. It's cans. You have to a, keep the boss moving. <laughs> I did a. Uh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm LAPD slash a voice teacher. <laughs> Lips. <laughs> Teeth, tip of the tongue. <laughs> Hands. 50, 55 miles per hour. <laughs> I have to tell this stupid anecdote because I've already said the first line to it three times, but I don't want to. I just want to keep doing this character. Do we I, want? I did my freshman year. Of uh of college, I was taking an English class, and I had to do an oral report on anything, and I did mine on... <laughs> what a sharp teacher. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they were just like, just do something. What's freshman supposed year to be is... on? I don't care. That's the... Anything yeah. is the equivalent of I don't care. <laughs> Basically, it was freshman lit, and I was just like, here's why indie films are the best and why conventional Hollywood sucks. And really what it was was... Russ just got into Kevin Smith movies, and Ugh. that's it. Those are the only quote indie movies I knew or <laughs> thought or thought about. I hadn't seen any any anything. I hadn't seen any Robert Rodriguez. I hadn't seen any. Oh gosh, why can't I think of the big ones? And Danny, any David uh, Soderbergh? Huh? Yeah. Any um, who just directed Boyhood? <laughs> I could listen to you, dry and name directors. <laughs> Forever. You are legendary forever. Uh, Boy, the shoes uh, the, really... uh, 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 sex lies. Chaplin. 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 Guys, Chaplin was the first indie director. Uh, Hitch something. Alfred Hitch something. I said Hitch baby. I said <laughs> uh, Richard Linklater is who you were trying to name, I believe. Thank you, Linklater. I, I really like you being cocky about. 
about somebody not having a name at the ready, by the way. That's pretty great. <laughs> well, it's nothing I've ever suffered with. No, I know that. But anyway, <laughs> so I'm doing this oral presentation on basically why I like Kevin Smith movies. Sure. And I decide I'm an actor. I'll start this thing off with showing how much better indie film is than big budget Hollywood. So I, I started off and I did Jason Lee's monologue that he gives From the to Ben Affleck. No, no, no that's uh, the other Jason Lee. Oh, <laughs> I don't know this one, then. I did Jason Lee's monologue from Chasing Amy, where he's talking to Ben Affleck uh, about why why this relationship isn't going to work for his, for him. Is it the relationship incredibly vulgar? Him. No, it's very clean. There's maybe one or two curses. I've never seen it. I assume Kevin Smith, it must be a uh, cursey. Uh, this part wasn't. <laughs> That's not too cursey. Cursey Alley? Cursey Alley was not in this movie. Uh, <laughs> oh, this podcast is worth it. Many, All many the, moments in the episode we're about to recap where that joke would have fit right in. Our 16 episodes thus far have led to Cursey Alley, <laughs> and I am delighted. So, uh, anyway, I do this. Great I, oh, wow. We were expecting to meet with Cursey Alley, but I guess Cursey Alley showed up today. <laughs> <laughs> so I talk about, I do this whole big Jason Lee monologue, and it's really heartfelt and mm -hmm, thoughtful. Mm -hmm. And then I go... And then here's another one, another piece of writing. Oh, my gosh. C cans. It was just cans. Are you serious? It's okay. Cans. I go, that was Keanu Reeves from Speed. See? So that's why indie films are better than oh. big budget films. Now, that's how I started things. There's and more? it got a laugh. No, it got a laugh. I'm not going to do well, the rest of Well, it's a good reference. Thing. It's a good reference, but it's also comparing apples and oranges. They're not trying to be the same thing. Yeah, but your dumb classmates weren't smart enough to know that back then either. No, that's very true. Yeah. One, I don't know if you are ready to... Or your lazy I teacher. Don't know if you, I don't know if you could have put this together, but there was a girl who went backpacking across Europe the summer before, and she had a lot of opinions about Wait, a lot of Wait, what do you things. mean? Alone? Yeah. In eighth grade? <laughs> No, this was this was in college. Oh, freshman year of college. Did you have me in high school for this whole I thing? I did. Did you mention which school no. you were in? I'm so, I uh, this was oh, this oh, all happened. Oh, that. Oh, that. I was like, so what this poor girl. <laughs> yeah, she was sent out <laughs> into she, the wilderness. It was a lady that wrote wild before <laughs> She, she wrote a tiny paper on she, her backpacking trip. She, she <laughs> can't remember her name either. Oh, Cheryl Strayed. Oh Boom. Wow. Who was who that? Cheryl Strayed, the author of Wild. Look at you. I'm pretty sure that's right. She's a, she's on the she's on the other foot. Or, hey or, guys, if I'm wrong, isn't. tweet at Russ. <laughs> <laughs> How's your week been? Or right. for that matter, how was your freshman lit class? Uh, well, I didn't, uh, oh, bad. That makes yeah. sense. Yes. Well, freshman year lit in most colleges, I think, is meh. Like, my high school lit <laughs> class was way better by, by, like, senior year. All the years yeah. were way better than my freshman year of college lit. I'm also thinking now about what you must have been thinking, because right about anything is a typical college freshman Thesis, right. thesis thing but for for a freshman year english teacher right. just be like yeah do whatever you want yeah you do it at your 14 year olds write anything oh i mean i gotta be honest it lined up with everything i've learned about long island over the last several months <laughs> hey come on but i was like hey i can think I of a few it. things to give your students 
To kill a mockingbird? Sure. Oh, gosh. But yes, I get it now. The screenplay to speed? <laughs> well, the reason I thought that, too, is because senior year of my high school, I didn't read Madame Bovary that much. You know, a page here, page there, enough to talk about class. Sure. And we had to do a final paper, and I fancied myself a great actor. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? I'll do. I'll just write a little pretend monologue about her husband. Spoiler alert. She kills herself with rat poison, leaving oh behind goodness. a widower. So I said, oh, I'll make him go crazy because he loved her and write a little monologue where he's just saying, why, why? And then I don't have oh, to read the did. book. <laughs> it's, ba- <laughs> it's bad enough to, like, oh, I'm going to perform something that somebody else wrote because I'm an actor. But then when we're just like, I'll pick up where this classic piece of literature left off. I fan fiction. I'll write my bad. own monologue. That's right. <laughs> Well, what you're describing is A Doll's House Part 2, which is currently on Broadway and nominated for every Tony Award you can imagine because – That just shows what I know. It is the greatest thing you have ever seen. Oh, yeah? it's uh, That's not true, John. It's the greatest thing I have never seen. <laughs> that is also true because it is that good. <laughs> well, it's that good? Oh, everyone go. Come to New York, everybody. Come to, here's what you're going to do. You're going to come to New York. You're going to take a picture outside of the Buckman apartment. Then you're going to go see a doll's house, too. Uh, that's your no, day. No, no. Then you're going to go to Rabbi Menachem Schmierson's <laughs> temple mm-hmm. in Crown Heights. Mm-hmm. You're going to take a selfie there. Then you're going to go to the yep. auto shop you're gonna in get, Canarsie, you're gonna get a where that guy was whacked in 1993. You're going to get a photo there. <laughs> yep. Then you're going to get in the car. You're going to drive it through <laughs> the lobby of a building. <laughs> take everything you see. Jewels. Yeah. Just stuff, not people. Just stuff, not people. <laughs> Important distinction. And you're going to find a bi- baby oh. in a gym bag and a girl in a trash can. <laughs> They're both going to be fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, mad about you. Right. Uh, yes, we watched episode so, 16 of season one. Episode 16 of season one. It aired on February 13th. Um, do you have more? To, do you have something to say? No, I was just going to say the title of the episode. Oh, okay, I didn't know if I was cutting you off or not. No, it aired February 13th, as you said, 1993. Saturday night again. Saturday night. Day before Valentine's uh, Day. Mm-hmm. What a coincidence. Absolutely. I think they did it on purpose, John. I think they did, too. This episode was called <laughs> Love Among the Tiles. Love Among the Tiles. Is that an allusion to something that you recognize? It is. It is. I, I knew it was... Love Among the Something, and Wikipedia took care of the rest. Oh, uh, what is it? Uh, I knew it was something. Love, yeah, it's Love Among the Ruins, ah. which was an 1855 poem by Robert Browning and was later turned into, the later the title was used for TV movies and songs and other pieces of art. Uh, oh, yeah, no, yeah, but I it, remember it. I got, a, I got a sequel poem where the ruins become a casino <laughs> that I wrote. I like that. Sure. You're very talented at that sort of that, thing. That was an attempt at a fan fiction joke. I don't think it uh, was no, super I got clear. You. I'm, with, <laughs> I'm totally with you. Not only was it super clear, it was super funny. So, <laughs> so, but Love Among the Tiles from Love Among the Ruins is not okay as far as pun titles go. Are you saying there are better things you could have done? So for those who don't know, this whole, most of the episodes set in the bathroom. So yes. are you saying there's a better bathroom title than tiles? Something that rhymes with, ru- rhymes with ruins, that, for example? That isn't a pun. Illusion? Uh, a, a more playful illusion? Yeah, maybe. You can plug anything 
you could have the next week's episode be love among the couch or love among the bedroom. Wait, did you read love the poem? Love among Fran's house. I did not. Who's got that kind of time? Well, it's about a couple uh, <laughs> locked inside of an 18th century bathroom. <laughs> oh, well then. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm a real I'm a real jerk. I didn't realize. Yeah, too bad I didn't turn it into a 15-hour lifetime movie. You would have watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll have you know that. Well, I'll have you know a couple of things, but you'll know it later. Yeah, too bad Brown wasn't on uh, Letterman in 1988. <laughs> <laughs> Plugging his poem. What uh, What was the TV Guide description for this? Very succinct, but very easy, too. This one, anyone Both can make sure. and easy. Paul and Jamie struggle for amusements when locked in their bathroom. Great. I love it. Here's what I'll say, though. <laughs> Please. Struggling for an amusement is sort of a given. So really, I feel like it could have just been Paul and Jamie locked themselves in the bathroom. (laughs) Hilarity ensues. Maybe throw in accidentally in there if you need to. So that people assume it's not just out of protest for something. You don't need the word and. You could just use a comma. Paul. No, that sounds like you're telling Paul. Paul. Jamie locked herself (laughs) in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) You're fired. <laughs> In my little apprentice world, you're fired. Oh man, this is rough. Yeah, you could. Yeah, I gotta. I gotta tell my family about this. Yeah, go write VHS uh, back of the tape summaries because that's where I see your future. <laughs> you're not TV guide material. Oh, that's okay. I don't need to be. I must hear TV material at five thirty. Um, you're unemployed. <laughs> Great news, Russ. You're going to get to watch a lot of soap. <laughs> oh, TV. What, what was on TV this Saturday night? Well. It's so weird. Ver- on Saturday, watching a sitcom. The world is our oyster now. Oh, beautiful. Um, we One thing that was on ABC, which I did not touch on beyond taking note that it was on. <laughs> we get. We, boy, oh, boy. I really can't work for TV Guide. <laughs> yeah, your summary for this one was. It's on. <laughs> ABC had the movie Funny Farm. Oh, is that Neil Simon? No. Oh, wait. Uh, is that Bill Cosby in it? No. And Walter Matthau? Keep going. No. Okay. <laughs> oh. Is that Dennis <laughs> Hopper, Keanu Reeves, and Sandra Bullock? No. <laughs> it's a bunch of cans, though. <laughs> no, uh, Who's in it? I'm mixed up, clearly. Uh, that it is. It is Chevy Chase. Oh, eh. Chevy Chase is a New York writer. He moves oh. to the country, the country? With his wife. Oh, which one of them loves it? Which one of them hates it? They both hate it because it's a nightmare home. Perfect. Uh, there's a they find a, a a corpse buried in their backyard. Wow. Yeah, the mailman is a crazy person who do, who doesn't deliver the mail and almost hits him with their car all the Russ, time. Russ, did you say they move from the city to the country or the country to the city? Because <laughs> from what I've yeah. been reading. All of these plot points seem way more likely to happen in the early Manhattan in the 70s Mm-mm. or 80s. That's a just, twist, baby. That is That's a, twist. a twist. I love Funny Farm. Yeah, it sounds fun. It it's sounds really like uh, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. Oh, and there's a there's a very famous scene in that movie or infamous or probably neither <laughs> involving involving Rocky Mountain oysters and uh Ugh. Chevy Chase breaking the world record for eating them and then learning what they are and hilarity. That's fun. 
Very fun. Fun bit of business. So that was on ABC. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what was on CBS at 9 p.m. Great. It was Diagnosis Murder. Don't tell me it was like the first one or something. I'll tell you, John. It was before the first one. It was just a movie of the week? It was the third of three TV movies that they aired before they turned it into a show. It was called A Twist of the Knife, and it starred Jerry Van Dyke's less famous brother, Dick Van Dyke. Who? Jer- you know Jerry Van Dyke. From yeah, Coach? of course. So Coach, yeah. yeah. His show, Coach. He, yeah, he had a brother years no earlier. Yeah, named Richard. You might you might have heard him. You might know him as Dick. You might just Wait, know him as Jerry Van Dyke's play... older brother. You might not know him. The guy who played Little Richie <laughs> on the Dick Van Dyke show is Jerry Van Dyke's brother. Uh, I don't know the Dick Van Dyke show well enough to keep that bit up. Oh, but really? Yeah, let's say let's say yes and sure. Dick Van Dyke on the show is Little Richie, <laughs> right? Yeah, I, 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 I'm telling. Oh, you, I, don't know. I think I'm conflating Little Ricky and Richie. I love Lucy. Holy moly! <laughs> that is but yes, great. The movie was called A Twist of the Knife. Great name. Mm-hmm. Wait, why does that ring um, a bell? Did you send me something related to that this week? Don't think so. Like a text that alluded to that, and I didn't know what it was. I don't think so. A twist of the knife is very. Oh, was my friend telling week? me? <laughs> yeah, was my friend telling me he killed someone? That's what it was. <laughs> I'm sorry, not you, not you. Some, someone, not- <laughs> yeah, no. My friend Barry killed someone this weekend <laughs> with a knife. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I never texted uh. him back. I feel like a bonehead. <laughs> uh, I hope he's okay. Did you know the diagnosis murder was a spinoff? Of what? Of Jake and the Fat Man. Really? Yeah. Okay. I did not know it either. I don't Wait. have any further stuff on Jake and the Fat Man, but yeah, it was a spinoff show. How do they Jake connect the, the dots? I, I don't know. I I think maybe... Dick There's no way Dick Van Dyke was on town. Jake and the Fat Man. He probably was. I could see that happening for an episode or two. Here's because my theory. As, mm, May I? Here's Please. my theory that we could check, but we're not going to. Great. There was a character involved because in, he's a doctor, right? In yes. diagnosis murder. Yeah. He's yeah, a doctor let me, who solves let me crimes. Hold that thought. His name is Dr. Mark Sloan. He's a renowned physician who occasionally works for the local <laughs> police department. And here's the way that IMDB or the, the way that Wikipedia puts it. It's my favorite. He worked for the local police department and he could not resist a good mystery or a friend in need. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I just can't resist a good mystery. I mean, I know the feeling. I, I solve crimes, and I can't resist a good... That's what a pe- person does who likes reading a book. I can't resist a good mystery. This character is just like, oh, they're dead people. I can't keep away. Well, that's, anyway. what, that's what happens when you mix a doctor with a mystery lover. That's true. I guess that's true. You were saying. You think that's how detectives describe themselves? Ah, I just love a good mystery. <laughs> Hey, detective, why do you do what you do? I just love a good mystery. I just love a good mystery. (laughs) I can't wait to see how this one ends. The carnage, the blood I've seen, the lives shattered and destroyed. But I just love a good mystery. (laughs) Ah, but what a ride. (laughs) I mean, that's also the premise of Murder, She Wrote. She loves, she writes them. She loves them. But at least she writes them. This guy, it's like, it's his job. Like, he's a doctor who works for the cops. Occasionally. And also, occasionally. Like, he's a psychic. When he gets around to it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they need to decide, uh-huh. hey, should we bring in the doctor on this one? <laughs> <laughs> eh, why not? You know, he'll enjoy it. Yeah, he might know we'll what give... some of these body parts are that came out of the guy's body. <laughs> we'll give him a thrill. 
<laughs> I'm guessing there's an actor on Jake the Fat Man who is the quote main character of Diagnosis Murder. You know what I mean? But that is constantly upstaged by Dick Van Dyke, and the show became a Dick Van Dyke show more than this guy's show. That's my theory. That could be. That could very well be. Yeah, because I I'll think if that. Dick Van Dyke had been on Jake and the Fat Man that much, we would have heard about it. Well, here's here's maybe let's, let's that is a in. weird. That... <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get to something similar to what you're talking about in just a little bit. So put a pin in it. Fascinating. Um, I'll put a a fat pin. Okay. <laughs> good. I'm glad you said that. Oh, okay, I'll put a so, tack uh, of the Fat Man in it. You got there. I'm sorry I teased you. Okay. I'm not. It spurred so, me forward. <laughs> so, um, so we have a uh, uh, in. Oh, what am I saying? Diagnosis murder. Oh boy. Television show. It co-starred a few interesting people. It had Dick Van Dyke's son Barry. Yes, I think Barry might Mark's be son. the main character of the show. I think Dick was the main character. Okay, never mind. I'm not positive. It also had Scott Bayo was in the first two seasons. Everybody's favorite politician. I got news and for you, Russ. What's that? Dick Van Dyke appeared in one episode of Jake and the Fat Man in 1991, and the first Diagnosis Murder movie premiered in 1992. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Boy, only Dick Van Dyke could guest star on a TV show in one episode and get an entire show out of it. Yeah, probably literally only him. God bless him. Charlie Schlatter was in the show in oh. season three after that. You're, Who's that? Do you recognize that name or know it? I think I'm I recognize Charlie. Char you recognize the name Charlie? Oh, I can name a lot of Charlies. Charlie Schlatter was in the movie, gosh, he was in the movie 18 again with George Burns. Oh, brother. And I saw that movie a lot. And he also played. I literally uh, thought you were just going to say alone. No, no, no. <laughs> he was also he played Ferris Bueller when they turned it into a TV show. I didn't know they did that. Yeah. With Jennifer Aniston playing his sister. Is Does he just take every day off? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was Ferris Bueller's many days off. It was just, uh, you know, the life of him. Just being Is he a crack addict or something in the show? No, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard drama. Jennifer Aniston, huh? Wow, I didn't know she yeah. uh, was on a TV show before Friends. She was. It didn't do great. <laughs> Here's the thing. One more thing about Diagnosis Murder, and then I'll get out of the way. They did Fred Silverman. Uh-oh. Are you dying? <laughs> John, I need you to swallow. <laughs> John took a sip of water. That is the closest I've ever come to a spit take on this show. <laughs> then I'll get out of the way. <laughs> what yeah. kind of co-host are you? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, you're guys. Ride, you're gonna ride. I'm so sorry. Hour and a half alone. <laughs> oh, I'm just in the way of my own show. Uh, <laughs> that we do for your free. Russ is back. He is. So there's a heading on wikipedia called nested pilots have you ever heard of this no oh i, I have an either. idea what it is but go for it i hadn't either i had to read a little bit more it is a backdoor pilot have you heard that phrase no no a backdoor pilot hey now a backdoor pilot is when a show tries to create a spin-off for a new show as an episode of its show oh so for instance that's i get it you don't have to explain it Right, yeah, for like the office, the American office, they did the one episode called The Farm. Yeah. 
that they were trying to spin off to have Dwight and his cousin Moe's working on the the beat farm. That yeah. was one episode. Oh, they were going to spin sneaky. it off into a backdoor pilot. It's very a backdoor good. pilot, but nobody really liked that show. They didn't make the show. The EP, the executive producer, Fred Silverman, for Diagnosis Murder, insisted on one episode per season being a nested pilot. Of Diagnosis Murder? One episode per season of Diagnosis Murder was a nested pilot for another show. Oh, my God. Well, what made me wonder this is I wondered if uh, Jake and the Fat Man's episode was a nested pilot for Diagnosis Murder. Yeah, that's why I wanted to wait to talk about it until now, but you had to go and look things up in the middle of my thing before. Thanks a lot. So, <laughs> Oh, well, maybe learn a lesson next time. Cut to the chase. Huh? Am I right, people? Hey, get so- out of the way. <laughs> the show aired. I'm by trying the to way. do a show. <laughs> the show aired when? The show aired from 1993 to 2001. By the way, right? That's a, way longer than I thought. Yeah. Oh yeah, but they didn't do a ton of episodes, did they? A uh, uh, hundred and uh, well over a hundred. Yeah, well over a hundred. They I all. Down. I don't know if anyone's ever watched it. They all look exactly the same. Yeah, absolutely. Like I couldn't tell you. If I fell asleep for 20 years while it was on, okay, six, and woke up, I wouldn't know if the episode was different. I'm going to tell you what three nested pilots were. I can't wait. Season one, the nested pilot was called Sister Michael Wants You. (laughs) Oh, a nun. Wait, what? Yes. It's it's an undercover nun situation with a mafia guy named Michael? It's Sister Michael with a crime-solving nun played by Delta Burke. Oh, why is your name Michael? Pretty good. Because they named, hey, gender is fluid. And also, uh, you can name yourself whatever you want when you're a sister. That's my understanding. No, because And normally... also, Michael can be, uh, they're, they're boy Michaels and girl Michaels. Yeah, I know there are and there can, but that's not common and it's confusing. It's interesting. It's Hollywood, baby. Not if you're trying to sell a show. How to do? Didn't take. Well, that's not so... Delta Burke's <laughs> fault. Let me tell you that right now. <laughs> Season two. One of the nested pilots was called How to Murder Your Lawyer. <laughs> Relatable. It, Relatable. It had, yeah, it had Mitchell Whitfield and Leah Remini as crime-solving lawyers. Wait, okay. Who was the, yeah. the perspective of the title is from who? I do not know, because it, somehow, again, <laughs> by the grace of God, I did not watch this. Uh, <laughs> season... <laughs> Season four's nested pilot was an explosive murder, which had oh, no. Tracy Gold as an undercover cop named Amy Dawson. Oh, okay. You remember Tracy Gold? No. Tracy Gold was from Growing Pains. She was the sister. I didn't watch it. Oh, it was wonderful. I'm sure. Oh, that was television. Oh, there's for that no night. big one? That was it. Oh, I was waiting for you to be like, and then <laughs> season six, friends. Nope, I'm sorry to let you down. They're like, law and order. Nope, still no. (laughs) You saying all of the things that you were hoping to have happen are not going to make me have it happen anymore. Because honestly, those were the best ones. Are there any successful backdoor pilots? Uh, No. (laughs) Oh, wow. Which kind of makes it it better. (laughs) Which kind of makes it better. The fact that they were like six seasons in and the guys are still like, no, we need to build these in. We need to make a new no, one. No, I mean in general, like in the world of TV. Oh, have there been successful yeah. Dr. Pouts? Yes, yes. Oh, okay, like what? Like what? I don't know for sure, but I know that it happened. It's kind of 
I can't remember the specifics, but I know that I've watched shows before. And let's say, let's say you're watching Jake and the Fat Man and you're watching it in syndication. And then all of a sudden, Diagnosis Murder shows up in Jake and the Fat Man and you already know what it turns into. You're like, holy cow, look at where this started. It's like getting a treat. Yeah, no, I get you know that. I mean? I'm saying, though, like it's deliberate to do a backdoor pilot. So not just a normal yes. spin-off. I mean, people trying to sneak their idea in through another show and then succeeding. It's happened. You don't know, it's though, happened. I think, right? I'm, you I'm don't know. Try to find you can say that. you don't know. No one, it's, Everyone's fine, right? It's just, I don't is, know. We're all, fine. You, we're all fine. I don't know. This is your uh, segment. You don't know? <laughs> I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) I love, I I can't believe I didn't know this term. Thank you so much. I feel like, uh, what a little lesson. I can't believe I didn't know this term or that it existed at all. And now I'm criticizing you and the concept about it. I mean, doesn't that sound like our dynamic on the show? You're not, yeah, only on the show. (laughs) Um, I mean, when I search backdoor pilot, there are no good articles about them. (laughs) No, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. Uh, a Different World was built around the Cosby Show. There was an episode of A Different World. Oh, that really? Was a backdoor pilot. Yeah. NCIS came from JAG. Oh, okay. Yeah. You wouldn't have had, and which, and NCIS birthed NCIS Los Angeles, oh, which gave all us Ron. lead back to the shore, yeah. sure. Yeah. So you, you owe your starring role on television to a backdoor pilot. Ugh, I do. See that? I didn't even know what it was. Now you do. Now you're better. You say you do. You do, you say. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do, you don't say. <laughs> Thank you for that lesson. I feel like I learned more than I would have in your uh, freshman year uh, literature class. I think that's pretty safe to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was just taught by some TA, right? No, this was a, a, a tenured professor, I believe. Or at least an adjunct. No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good school. Bad professor. Oh, no, I forget. I forgot. It's college. You could do anything. That's right. Yes. John, tell me what was in the newspaper today. Dateline. (laughs) Go ahead. February 11, 1993. Aura Smith, 92, a leading expert and researcher on potatoes, dies. Oh, man. Another potato story. Another potato story. Yeah. (laughs) My question is, was fabricant behind it? (laughs) I presume who, who can know? Aura Smith read Florence Fabricant's groundbreaking story on how to bake a potato, disagreed with <laughs> vehemently with her approach, spoke out about it within his academic community, and was murdered. And here we are. By Florence Fabricant. Potato murder. I'm asking the questions the New York Times was too scared to ask in nineteen ninety three. Thank God you're here. His technical innovations helped to make possible the mass production of potato chips and frozen french fries, which then gained wide popularity as snack foods. He was an emeritus professor of vegetable crops at Cornell University and fondly known on campus as Mr. Potato. Oh, well, that's sweet. Did you know when he began in the 40s, only 2% of the nation's potato crop was sold for commercial processing? Now nearly two-thirds of of it is processed for consumption. So thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sir, for poisoning Americans. Absolutely. With machine made. Where would we be without you? uh, French fries. Oh, he was the president of the the PAA. Nice. The Potato Association of America. Yeah, John, I know what the PAA is. I'm not an idiot. He was honored by the National Potato Council 
and the European Association oh, the NPC? for Potato Research. <laughs> he was the founding research director of the Potato Chip Institute International. Holy moly. Which is now the Snack Food Institute. <laughs> oh, they've broadened. I wonder how many snack foods they took on before they said, guys, I think we need to change the name. We got to change the name up. This is not fully <laughs> encapsulated. He wrote a book on do. potatoes. He was the co-author of a text, whatever that is, a text on potato processing. A, a text. Yes, yeah, it was a, it was eight characters. It was two potato <laughs> emojis and a WTF. I like that you. Th- yeah, we we that's what we think of when we think of text now. A text message. I authored that text. Uh, I authored that text. He wrote more than five. Ah, uh, blah blah blah. Who cares? I just want more potato specifics. Oh, my gosh. They included Dr. Richard L. Sawyer, founder and director of the International Center for Potato Research in Lima, Peru, the world headquarters for potato studies. Great. Everyone's going to Peru to see Machu Picchu, blowing past the ICPR. That's it. ICPR. (laughs) We need to keep potato jobs in the United States. We need to stop exporting potato jobs out to Peru. You know what's weird to me? Is Aura feels like Aurida should have been named after this person, but it doesn't mention it anywhere. Do you know where Aurida gets its name? Oh, no. Is it or No, tell me. Uh, Oregon and Idaho is where the potatoes were made. O-R-E-I-D-A. Well, so when this guy was named Aura, listen, I guess if you're going to name your kid Aura, O-R-A, you're pretty much mm-hmm. setting their destiny right there. Basically. If you're going to name your kid Aura and think they're not going to go into potatoes, I got news for you. <laughs> They are. Could become a hygienist. Uh, teeth? Oral. Oh, very good, yeah. That's the most G-rated way that I can tell that story. <laughs> it's not a story. <laughs> That's a good point. Thanks for detracting from the... <laughs> it's uh, Yeah, it's not a story. Oh, this one's very relevant. Dateline. <laughs> I just want to tell more stories that are really just jokes. <laughs> 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 uh. I was on a farm. <laughs> Film halted on black screen Jews. Say that again? Film halted on black screen Jews. The producers of a documentary film about, about black GIs who liberated Jews from concentration camps in World War II withdrew it from circulation yesterday after questions were raised about its accuracy. Harry Chansey Jr., vice president of program services for WNET in New York City, said the film was being temporarily withdrawn with the absolute intent of making it available again for viewing after a review and perhaps some editing to, quote, remove any ambiguities or if there are any factual inaccuracies. Well, now, this seems like a story that Mr. Paul Buckman would have had a lot to say about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm sure this was a conversation in the Buckman household. <laughs> you see you see this film you see you see what's going on? I, I i can't i can't i can't i can't they should they should <laughs> fact check it this is what i'm saying this is what i'm saying <laughs> one night last fall 1200 1200 prominent blacks and jews including mayor dinkins and the reverend jesse jackson filled the apollo theater to watch the 90 minute film also broadcast nationally on public television but since then, war veterans, journalists, and Jewish groups have raised questions about the accuracy of the film. Hmm. Anyway, Interesting. little documentary controversy from the '93. Love it. Bears repeating. What's the What's the name of the film? <laughs> the stump you? Well, it's not Black Spring Juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see. It's called The Liberators, fighting on two fronts in World War II. Interesting. Not a great I'll title. I'll watch it. I mean, could the title be any longer? 
<laughs> Sick burn, Chandler. <laughs> this one's about bakers. Who cares? Uh, not who cares, but it's a... It, you know, guys, when I do these news segments, I search all those articles, right, that happened in New York within a week. I open a lot of tabs. They all seem very exciting. And then you give it 20 minutes, you look at them again, and eh, not so exciting. Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the only time to do that is as we record the podcast. <laughs> There's no way to weed that process out before we start. <laughs> well, I got to feel it. You got to feel it. <laughs> you got to feel it. <laughs> Dateline. <laughs> Go ahead. In a town of compulsion, a zealous few offer a helping hand to desperate gamblers. The pit boss had been warning me, said the blackjack dealer, his tone miserable as he spoke of the underside of this city's monomania over chance. This is Atlantic City. The hands of the dealer were fidgety away from the table, and his eyes were sad. His voice resonated with revival tent zealotry as he told of his anguish at having to make his living by flipping cards for some of the more self-destructive gamblers who bet hungrily at the movement of his flashing hands. So there's a pack of... Card dealers and casino mm -hmm. workers going around Atlantic City in 93 doing their jobs, but also trying to get people who they think are gambling addicts to stop gambling. That's very interesting. Right? And wow. it's because this guy was a former gambler. Huh. A big one. I missed the growth of my two daughters, he said, summarizing a five-year binge of gambling in which he destroyed his business, his marriage, his reputation, and his ego in a daily zombie-like round of betting and borrowing hundreds of thousands of dollars that he did not have. Wow. Woo! Holy moly. Woo! That's a lot of money. He had three houses, five cars, even on a racetrack in Florida, lost it all gambling. This is another guy. No, another guy. Yeah, this is another guy. <laughs> what, what happened to the first guy? He, he's in another paragraph. I don't know. <laughs> we lost touch. <laughs> That happens. Yeah, well, you know, once people leave your paragraph, <laughs> you leave that paragraph, you stop talking, you know? Oh, people uh, grow apart all the time. It's a tragedy. <laughs> Paragraphs and Russ. Uh, no, I, but yeah, you remember in high school, you were like, uh, I'm going to be in this paragraph forever. Forever. <laughs> Guys, this is the best paragraph of our lives. <laughs> Uh oh, that is the saddest thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, these are the best four. Oh, college are the best four paragraphs of your life. <laughs> Live it up. Honestly, you could reduce a year to a paragraph. In which case, your series of paragraphs would be the book of your life. Oh, look at you. Dateline. Do 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 do. Go ahead. Feb seven, nineteen ninety three, by Florence Fabricant. Dried cherry Valentine dishes in servings for two. So Fabricant guys, is back. Fabricant's always been here. I just don't always bring her up. Now, I know this is for next week, but since seeing as Valentine's Day was the day after this episode aired, and it's in the Valentine's Day episode, I thought, why don't I look one day ahead and see if anything interesting happened? They did. Sure. Dried cherries, I don't know if people know this, are plumper than the typical raisins sold in boxes. While not quite as sweet as raisins, they do add both a note of color and a tart of sweetness when substituted for raisins in a dish. They can be used in savory recipes with poultry, game meats, and even fish like salmon. A dry cherry relish or vinegar-based chutney is excellent to accompany a pate or for a luxurious Valentine dinner. Some foie gras served cold or freshly sautéed. I like it. Uh, should you I know, read the recipe? <laughs> no. I'm trying to think of a different way. I want to give you a... You no. Know, just for, just you know for what, continuity. Get so out of my way. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I was in the way. See? 
I'm putting up roadblocks where they don't need to be. Go ahead. No, I'm not. It's an awful long recipe. I would never read it. <laughs> Final dateline, though. A do, very do, 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 do. go ahead. Oh, thank you. A very special, moving Valentine's Day treat. Love conquers all for all kinds of couples. Hmm. Dr. Anthony Girardi, still smitten with his wife, Carolyn, after 33 years, decided that as a token of his enduring affection, he would buy her a new setting for the diamond engagement ring he gave her those many years ago. This year on Valentine's Day, I wanted to know that my love is as strong as it always has been, said the spectacled Scarsdale allergist who was shopping last week in Wallach and Sons Jewelers of East Chester. Devotion and lots of compromise. That's what made it work for us. Well, that's very And sweet. then it just goes through and talks about all these different couples. They're going to say all these different compromises. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the author is this husband. <laughs> it's a list of grievances. Then he didn't yeah. get what he wanted in this way. Then the third year. I could have been an astronaut, wanted... he said. But she <laughs> said it was impractical. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> so the whole point of the article, though, is the diversity of couples that existed back in 1993 in the New York area. Because yeah. So then it lists a lot of uh, couplings that were very unconventional back then. In Yonkers, for example, Dr. Leonard Handelsman, who described himself as, normally, as a normally reticent man when it comes to discussing such matters, stop me if you can figure out why, waxed poetic about his 17-year relationship with Richard Kern. Mm, okay. Sad, huh? Okay. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. Time Can't to talk change. about it. But that's why this article is so important. As a gay per, this is uh, such a sad quote. As a gay person, it is important to have someone to care about too. Oh. Love is a miracle, a very strengthening thing, and it would be hard to imagine a rich emotional life without it. I love you, John. The fact that we are two men who love each other has not presented a problem. Wait. Uh-huh. Oh, the community they live in. Oh, yeah, I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel like George Costanza? That was a pretty big matzo ball hanging out uh, there. <laughs> yeah. I, I licked myself and left the room. <sighs> but it turned out the community... Okay, so the community they, li they live in has been very uh, accepting, but... Well, good. Crazy. So here's the next one. This subheadline: we still get stares. The love shared by two Hartsdale residents... Tell me when you can tell I get to the controversial part. Nellie Kay and Bernard D. Gogren also diverges from the norm. But that has not dampened their ardor, they said. Mrs. Gogren, who is black, and Mr. Gogren, who is... Also black. No, who is blacker. no, Ross, no, no. There you are. See, you couldn't even... Yep, that's right. He Ooh, was Very, white. very, very black. White. Oh, my God. Twist. I didn't... They hmm. met during the 60s. When they were both I teachers, they're retired now. People were surprised back then when we dated and then married. They worried about how well we would do and whether we would be happy. But we've done fine, she said, although we still get stares in 1993 in Hartsdale, Connecticut. Is that Connecticut or New York? I don't know, but whatever. Stairs in 93. Yeah. We were kids, but it, I had no idea how, uh, well, even asked me six months ago, I had no idea. <laughs> How uh, ignorant the world is. Okay. How what? <laughs> ignorant the world is. Ignorant the world is. Okay. I'm, oh, 
bated breath to see how that sentence ended. Here's another one. In New Rochelle, Jacqueline DeSalvo, 35, a lawyer with a private practice, and Sandra Rovira, 45, another lawyer, talked about their lesbian relationship. Quote, we're the same as everyone else. We all want someone to hold us when we're scared and someone to make us laugh. Mm. Love makes other things easier to deal with, knowing that you have a safe place. They should rerun this article every day for the next hundred years. It's really good. It's so straightforward. Yeah. And it's like, what is your rebuttal? <laughs> well, you don't want to know it. <laughs> no, it's I know. I mean, I know, I know. Well, in the midst of this, I, I, I forgot to write down the article. But there has been, I keep seeing articles about this, and I never open it up because it's. I'm like, oh, do we still do the local politics thing? A little. But as you may or may not know, in this weird timeline that we exist in when we do this show, St. Patty's Day is coming up, <laughs> which means the St. Patrick's Day parade. And there's a group of gay Irishmen that want to march, and they don't know yeah. if they're going to be allowed to. Yeah. And people who sponsor the parade have been pulling out because of it. I remember all of that. Oh, you do? Do you remember that? Yes. No, I don't. It, it yeah, said it Dinkins big... uh, skipped the Irish parade the year before in protest. Yeah, it was a big deal. No big, kidding. Big deal. Yep. Cool. It was pretty neat. It was, I mean, it was, and it was the sort of thing where, like, looking back now is one of the first times where, you know, gay rights on a main scale was clear to me and where it just became so obvious. Yes. You know, where it was just right. like. They're, you know, they're gay police officers. They want to march and they're not allowed to march in the parade. And it's just like, oh, well, that's stupid. And they wouldn't let cops do at it at all. Pretty sure. That's even crazier to me because you know what I mean? Yeah. Because that's a specific archetype that New Yorkers used to mm -hmm. like stereotypically love. You Rally know? around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, you're yeah. right. I mean, this stuff wasn't uh, even discussed in the no. public square at all when we were kids. No. I remember we watched no, when no. the band played on for the first time. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's a good movie. Oh, great movie. It's always on HBO Go, obviously, uh -huh. because it's made by HBO, and it's so good, and part of me always wants to watch it, but I'm. when are you in the mood to watch and the band played on? Never. There are but, many movies I've never seen like that. Yeah, Schindler's but List. every time I see it, yeah, every single time I see it listed when we're scrolling through movies to watch, I'll ask Jenna, like, want to watch and the band played on? <laughs> <laughs> you know, let's watch something light. You know, it's eleven o'clock. Yeah. It's a Saturday. Just night. in case one of those times off? she goes, "Yeah, I do." Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> you know what I'm in the mood for? A heavy drama, drama. about a massive tragedy. Yeah, <laughs> starring the NBC boy, executive boy. from Seinfeld. Right? What's his name? Isn't he in that movie? Bob Balaban. Yeah, isn't Bob Balaban in that movie? Probably is. I think he is. Yeah, Matthew Modine's got the lead. Everybody's in that movie. Oh, that's right. Also, I can't believe it's an HBO yeah. movie because, oh, maybe it's because we were watching it in school and there was a different version. Probably. I just remember that movie being extremely, like, clean in terms of, like, uh, it, let me tell you something. Kersey Alley was not in that movie in the version I watched. <laughs> no, Kersey Alley stayed away from that. That's remarkable for an HBO movie. Well, I mean... Yeah, but it was about, you know, it's about medicine and it's about, well, you know. Russ, you know what, what are you, I think live about, in a cave? Are you kidding? Look, all I'm saying is that the aid, the beginning of the AIDS crisis was totally based on medicine and how to best help right. people. And there's no reason to use any sort of vulgarity right. or I slang mean, terminology it, or degrading terms. I can't believe HBO made all. this movie. Yeah. They sure did. Wow. I actually had no idea. I thought it was like an NBC or ABC movie or something. No, it was very good. Which I guess it looking was, uh, back is a pretty stupid assumption to make. Yeah, well, you're pretty stupid. So yeah. <laughs> oh, good one. <laughs> Every now and then, let's get to burn him. Every now and again. It's my burn him. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, let's go. And every now and again, Ugh. John puns. Burning wood. All right. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Mad About You, episode 16, Love Among the Tiles. Take one. Directed by Linda Day. We've been with her now for many episodes. Hooray. I don't even Hooray, know where Linda Barnett Kelman is. He might never come back. I have no idea. He might have nope. moved on to another he, show. He might. He might be hanging out with Tommy Hinckley. Yeah, right. At the Natural History Museum. <laughs> we'll never know. We'll we'll find out soon. So, oh, and it was written by Pamela Eels and Sally Lapidus, who wrote yeah. Token Friend, your favorite episode. This one is my new, this is a, a far and away my favorite of theirs. Didn't that happen with some other staff writer as well on the show where you did like their first one and then you really liked their second one? Probably. It seems like something that would happen. So you warm up. I warm up. They get better. Wow, hard we, to say. We, I was going to say we get used to each other's rhythms, which is funny to be like, you know, they get used to what I'm looking for uh, in an episode. They start catering to me <laughs> and, and, and my taste. So, yeah, we come around to each other. Well, like police departments, I don't know if you know this, but every now and then a show will hire a uh, psychic to come in. <laughs> <laughs> or a fortune teller to come in and let them know what fans will think 30 years from the time they write it. John, what's the backdoor pilot for our podcast going to be? I'm just going to let that sit. We'll have to have a guest on first. Another one. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a great question to have out there. <laughs> yeah, You know what, though? Super quick aside. John Hodgman has a podcast, Judge John Hodgman, which started off as a segment of uh, the Jordan Jesse Go podcast, I believe. Or if not Jordan Jesse Go, then The Sound of Young America. So, yeah. So that was literally a backdoor pilot. Anyway. Um, very cool. Very topical. Great point. Great. <laughs> I love, I love that. Nonsense. No, I love that. Well, good. You lost me because I haven't heard of a single one of them. And also the whole time I was thinking, why didn't he just call it Judge John? Judge John Hodgman. You got to get that last name. Mm, why, though? Judge John sounds like Judge Judy. That's fun. Yeah, but Judge, what, what's Judy's last name? Who cares? Well, you would care if the name in question was John and also if it was a podcast. If I use the name John, I think my friends assume I'm speaking of John Hodgman. No? Doesn't everyone, <laughs> doesn't everyone assume that? <laughs> I, oh. My oh, pastor John, can't stop talking about him. There's something very sad about you saying that when you say the name John, your friends think of John Hodgman, <laughs> but your name is John. Oh, that is very sad. <laughs> but also, I'd be crazy to speak about myself in third person. <laughs> they call you. They're like, hey, John, what are you up to? And you say, oh, I just did an episode of NCIS. And they're like, oh, really? You're not doing those uh, Mac commercials anymore? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was talking to John Hodgman. <laughs> hey, get out of my way. <laughs> anyway, so cold open. We're in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. In get the 800-square-foot bathroom. Yeah. It helps to be, if you got to be locked in a bathroom, uh, this is a good one to be locked in. That is true. Uh, so the door's open. Paul's in the shower. Mm -hmm. Jamie's flossing. And mm -hmm. Murray comes in. And starts drinking out of the toilet. The whole family's in yep. there. Yep. And Jamie Jamie's, tells, yeah, yeah. Jamie's grossed out by it. Yeah. Murray, how do you do that? What a! I love when dogs in movies drink out of toilets. <laughs> and I love it in real life because in my head I'm like, oh, just like a movie. Just like a movie. <laughs> I love how your mind twists in on itself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so she shoes uh, Murray out of the bathroom and closes the door to keep yep. him out. And yep. we learn that they're late for a party. Oh, ten minutes ago. I really don't understand why we have to spend Valentine's Day with Mark and Fran and their devil child. 
Because Fran lives for Valentine's Day. She likes to invite all of her unattached friends and, you know, attach them. I know, but we're already attached. Exactly. We're the happy couple. We're the role models. We are? Yeah. That's the saddest thing I've ever heard. It's a Valentine's Day party. Fran's blowing it out. Fran loves to get in there, mix people up. Play matchmaker. Play matchmaker. Mm-hmm. I would love to see her and Mark do one song from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> if this was an old-fashioned show, there would be a community PTA show, and every couple would do a little act, and they'd rehearse it in the living room, and one of them would be them doing Matchmaker, Matchmaker, Make Me a Match, with Mark playing all of the different daughters. You're absolutely right. And then at the end, they would say, we're having a party. If you're <laughs> single, we want to be your matchmaker. Come to our home. We have a terrible child. Yeah, and all the background people would be interested and take the flyer, and all the main characters would be like, eh. Nah, I'm okay. I'm going to go do my own thing. People who don't talk in sitcoms are pretty much okay with anything. <laughs> <laughs> They're on board. Those are the people you want to be friends with. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The devil child. And if uh, Mark and Fran didn't live on the Upper East Side, I think maybe there was a chance that there was a Rosemary's Baby situation going on. <laughs> but there's not. Do you think? Wait, are you suggesting that Rosemary's Baby is a backdoor pilot for Mad About You? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I convinced you. <laughs> so they are getting ready to go, and their plans are dashed to the rocks because they try to open the door, and the doorknob comes off. Yes. Paul gets out of the shower during this whole conversation about Mark and Fran. And yep. uh, when he turns the he alone, because I feel like I feel like this wouldn't happen to Jamie. Interesting. And I get that it would and could. But, you know, there are people like that where it would and it could and it should. But for whatever reason, never does. Sure. OK. There's just stuff about Paul where it's like if he touches a doorknob, there's a five percent chance it's just going to come off. It feels like Schrodinger's doorknob to you. The doorknob is both alive and dead. In it, when if he's Jamie around. were to touch it, yeah. if, if Jamie were to touch it, it would be alive. Paul touches it. It's dead. Yes, sure. Great. Yes. Thank you for going with me on that. It's like Schrodinger's doorknob. <laughs> or, for short, Schrodinger's knob. Now. <laughs> or, for shorter, just the doorknob in this scene and not at all related to Schrodinger. What the hell are you talking or about? Or, for even shorter, Schrodinger. Okay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come on. You love this. Schrodinger's dinger? Schrodinger. <laughs> So Paul tries to, yeah, he takes off the doorknob and Jamie says, what's the matter? Because he says, uh-oh. He says, uh-oh, right now you are married to the wrong guy. Oh, right. Yeah, which made me think, yeah, she should have married her dad. Absolutely. I think that's the subtext Jen, of that joke. Oh, clearly, yeah. Jen said, Jen was just like, yeah, he's just got a butter knife. Ah. Yeah. Should I play that Jackie Mason clip again? <laughs> Hey, get your money's worth, buddy. I know you guys are wearing those uh, tapes thin from that old episode where we did that. You went through a lot of legwork those to get that. Those bits are dropping off. So the next scene, we got... Uh... <laughs> oh, boy, guys. Just a heads up. I'm tired. Uh-oh. I'm tired. Oh, what do we got here? That's a... I, you know how I know I'm well, tired? I, I'll... I have very clear notes right in front of my face and i could have just read them Ooh! oh we're still in the bathroom 
John, I have terrible news. What? We have an entire episode of television to talk about. I know. Why do we spend so the much time reason, on the fabricant? The entire reason we're here. And Mr. Potato Head. Has not yet been touched upon. <laughs> okay, so so we come back after the cold open, and Paul mm-hmm. and Jamie are examining the hole in the doorknob. And Paul's fussing with it, like tapping it, touching it. Yes. And sort of talking himself up to the task of dealing with this situation. Sure. Like the little That's, engine that could. Yes. Yeah, he's talking himself up a little bit. He's he's figuring out how to uh, how to MacGyver his way out of this. Thing. Oh, mm-hmm. well, first he asks for tweezers. Go give me um, give me some tweezers. Straight or angled, honey. <laughs> oh, and and uh, give me a Q-tip, please. Q-tip? What are you gonna do with a Q-tip? I got water in my ear. <laughs> Is it working? Like I, hear, I still hear like a sloshing thing. Yep. They got two Q-tip jokes in there. Good for them. Pretty good. <laughs> as soon as they did the slosh thing, I was just like, ah, it feels good. Good. Yeah, I saw I saw it coming a mile away. Of course, and it still <laughs> felt good, right? It was so good. Uh. But also a third one would have been too many. Mm-hmm. They knew exactly when to pull the plug on that. Oh, they're the masters of Q-tip jokes. <laughs> so then Paul goes hardcore now. Now that he got his little joke out of the way. Yeah. It's almost like he was like, okay, that was for me. Now I just really want to solve this. Yeah. Time to get this thing done. No, this is not working. You got you have bobby pins? No. Floss? Floss? Yeah. How much saw a MacGyver episode where he escaped from a missile silo? Just just using floss. I found floss. Wax? Yep. No good. <laughs> Tell you what, you know what? Just give me the uh, inner cardboard roll from the toilet paper, uh, three band-aids, a razor, and two emery boards. What are you going to do? I'm going to make us a plane and fly us the hell out of here. This is a MacGyver reference mm-hmm. that we knew was coming for many weeks now. Mm-hmm. And I am very happy to say that it has arrived. We're here. The Mac, our, Mr. Our, Mac our... Jackson, one of our listeners. You guys, I'm sure, have seen him in uh, the uh, Facebook group or on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Who hosts his own uh, recap podcast about MacGyver, which you should check out. The MacGyver podcast. Listen, like, subscribe. Do it all. Rate, review. Uh-huh. All the things you do for us, or haven't yet, but maybe will one day. <laughs> yep. Do for him. Do double duty today. Make this be the day that you just go on a liking and reviewing and subscribing spree. That's what I do. And you say, yeah. Once you're in iTunes and it knows who you are, and you can just click stars and write sentences... It's the easiest thing in the world. It's a, I do a ton of them. We'll tell you more about how easy it is <laughs> in about three hours. This is an ad so. for our podcast, <laughs> which you're already listening to. We're sorry. Oh so Paul needs. So Paul. So Bobby yeah, Paul requests floss. Waxed floss is no good. Great. That's a funny bit. Oh, and then right, he needs all those things to do the plane joke. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that one as much. Oh no, I liked it. I was fine with it. I don't know why I was feeling a little judgy this whole episode. Oh yeah? Yeah. I liked this episode a lot and I liked it more than I think I thought I would because but this show bases itself primarily on language and on wordplay and on banter. And True. there is there is a ton of slapstick in this episode. Yes, and I loved almost every beat of it. It was all so good. So much slapstick. It was a bl- None it's yet. It's just like, because at its heart, comedy is, you know, it's the most base form of comedy is slapstick. 
And but when it's done well, it's just perfect. And this is uh none of it is, you know, we're not talking about three stooges level eye gouges and stuff. But that being said, super duper funny slapstick stuff. I mean, you sound exactly like Robert Petrie on that episode of the Dick Van Dyke show where he choreographs and does an incredibly flawless slapstick comedy performance. Played by Jerry's brother. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to Still your joke. We'll have to post that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to post that this week. There you go. If it's on YouTube, I'm sure there's some Dick Van Dyke enthusiasts out there. We'll do it. Why the heck not? Oh, boy, was I crushed where I found out I love Dick on Amazon. It was not about people's fandom of the Dick Van Dyke show. <laughs> Starring Kevin Bacon. <laughs> love to make your own show. <laughs> That's all I've wanted for 30 years. Talk about it all the time. Boy, if there was so, a show where Kevin Bacon played a guy who loved the Dick Van Dyke show... <laughs> I'd be so happy. Because if he could make that sexy, boom. (laughs) So Paul tries to break the door down. Yes. He. Well, Jamie. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Jamie sort of like eggs him on a little to do it. Sure. First things first. It's her pitch. Well, first first he just tries. Oh, does he without a prompting? Or maybe does she say break the door down? I think she does. Okay. I think she. Yeah. Because she goes, maybe we should just uh, break the door down. And he's like, go for it. How do you feel about knocking the door down? Go for it. I meant you. Oh, well, that's very different. No, forget it. You'll kill yourself. What are you talking about? Hey, I work out. I know, honey, but this building is still better built than you. You're going to hurt yourself. Ah. Hurt myself. (laughs) Remember, it's like a quick little exchange? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, And then he tries, of course, and it's very, you know, he's going to fail, and it's very fun to watch. Yep. It's a very strong door. Yes. As doors should be. Yes. So he starts making excuses, and he's not wrong, uh, but maybe he is. He's like, there's not enough room in here to get that is, a, that is enough of a head start to build the momentum required to break through that door. Now, now, I do not think that he would be able to break this door down with a football field to build momentum. I don't either, because also this bathroom's big enough to... Hold a go-kart race, host the Academy Awards. So I don't know what you're looking for, Paul. Pretty big. Yeah, you're not going to get any sympathy from me about your too small to break a door down bathroom. So Jamie has an idea. You know what the problem is? You're a man, it's a door? No, I can't get up enough, you know, I can't move back far. Well, no guy could, really. There's no room to, to back up far enough to get a good running start. Can't you just get up speed by running around in circles? That's truly the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Why? Because you, you, in circle, you can't. Go work. It's really ridiculous and very funny. I mean, you guys, this is an episode where you should just definitely watch it because so many yeah. of the bits are visual. And watching Paul it's, run in tiny circles around the bathroom is so with funny. Jimmy standing on a toilet, it's really funny. And he, he runs so carefully. Yep. Because, of course, the bathroom, he runs exactly the way I would run around that bathroom. Yes. He runs the way a barefoot person <laughs> in an apartment bathroom would run. Ever so gently, hoping yes. to avoid any possibility of a toe stub. And Jamie is sta- just knows what's going to happen. She's standing on top of the toilet and she whispers to him, faster. Yes. And <laughs> so he speeds up a hair yep. and with no warning, runs into the door <laughs> At this time, falls on his back. It's very, very fun. This is our episode. We're going to learn how to make gifts for this episode. Oh, good call. Yeah. Russ is going to... Highly gifable. We have a tutorial in our uh, Twitter DMs. 
Oh, great. I'll figure that out. Yeah, yeah, I tried. I'll try again. (laughs) We'll get there. You know, as good as we are at technology, everyone, uh, we still have a long ways to go. We do. One thing, though, that sort of is an indicator of what the episode's going to be like is pretty early on in this scene, we get their, or Jamie at least's um, survival instincts. When Paul's like, I'm cold, and she goes straight to the hamper and starts doling out clothes they can wear. Right. So the whole the whole episode is sort of like a lo- uh, castaway, almost, <laughs> in a Manhattan bathroom, but it's pretty fun. Yes. So we scene two. Uh, we're at Mark and Franz, mm-hmm. and this is where some of my issues kicked in, because there are many avoidable problems in this episode. Uh-oh. Well, outside their building, it's night. Inside their building, the outside through their gigantic windows is day. John, you're so right. I mean, that's crazy. I never even put that together. I had to go back and look because I was like, wait, what? You know what? It never bothered me, but it should have because in my head, I was just like, okay, yeah, it's an evening party at France. Absolutely. And that's how I felt. Yeah. And it's one o'clock in the afternoon in the bathroom. Right. Well, and this is the world we live in. Yeah. They live in the Upper East Side of Alaska. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I also desperately want to know where their apartment is. So if anyone has any leads on the outside of that building. What a Please help, John. Oh, my goodness. So we're inside their apartment. It's a lot cleaner than it was last time when uh, yep. Masha mm-hmm. had her heart broken by Paul. Mark is noshing in the background, mm-hmm. always. And Fran is venting about Jamie and Paul not being there to Lisa, who's gloating about how she's the better sister because she's like, see, I'm yes. here. Jamie promised to come early and help make the passion punch. Uh-huh. Everyone always thinks Jamie's the dependable one, but you notice who's here on time. Yeah. Well, she could have at least called. Or maybe she should call her. <laughs> or not. You know, everyone always thinks I'm the screw-up. Just because I don't have a job or a relationship. And high school was the worst five years of my life. But tonight could be your lucky night because Fran is a genius when it comes to fix-up. You'll see. I invited a lot of nice, successful single men. In other words, no one my type. Thank you. <laughs> what, you couldn't find one neurotic, unemployed gay guy? George Cavanaugh. Sure. Fran floats the idea. You know, Fran says she should have at least called. And Mark says... Maybe you should call her. Oh, that death stare sh- is so... F- get shot oh. a look. And then, or not. And it's just... Yeah, it's one of those things where I'm just like, some... Well, everybody... Everybody, come on. You're friends. Just suck it up. Come on. I, that is What's definitely true. Thing? But this is what happens in real life all the time. All the and time. And I love that it's it happens so in this. so real and so true yeah. and so annoying. I got frustrated watching this scene the same way I would get frustrated if it were actually people that I would actually know. Yeah. Because uh, I could totally see everybody doing this. But also, they're not wrong. I mean, yes, they're they're wrong in this case. But yeah, Paul and Jamie, they seem a little tough to make plans with sometimes. They are best friends. And nobody's willing to give anybody the benefit of any doubt. That's a good point. I would never feel that way about best friends. If they're best friends, it's like, hey, they're not there. It's like, well, she should call me. It's like, what? No, but you know how it is, like, when, like, if friends get married and suddenly you don't see them that much? Yeah, you think that's the way that this, that these couples are? That they don't see each other that much? Well, let me put it this way. I almost had to look these actors up again, because I was like, who are they? Oh, right. They appeared in an episode eight eight weeks ago or something. (laughs) It's like they saw their names on the payroll and thought, oh, we're paying them. We should use them. (laughs) 
Can we can we write a scene or plot line that has all the other actors in it? Oh my god, we haven't seen them in I at least it. two episodes, right? Which I get, I guess makes me sound crazy, but uh, yeah, yes, you do. But that's sort of a lot because they're main, they're all main characters. They're all main characters, yes, but they're not the main character. They're not the main character, no. But if George, Elaine, and Kramer didn't appear in two consecutive Seinfeld episodes, if there was a Mrs. Seinfeld, or if there was a if Jerry was in love long term with somebody, oh you, and they focused oh, on you are for, me. Okay, I don't even want to hear how this ends because you're making such a good point. I can't deal with. <laughs> I can't deal with the full yeah. point being made. Yeah, it's not quite the same. <laughs> it's, it's not just Jerry in a vacuum talking to himself. He'd have a partner. No, point, point taken. <laughs> Knife twisted. Well, <laughs> oh no, another death. <laughs> oh, I was just reading a text from my friend Barry. <laughs> <laughs> he did it again. Oh man. <laughs> so yeah, so so Lisa is there to be set up and oh uh, yeah, and marker talking about all of the people that are gonna be there. We get this and great Lisa, Lisa says, run. Yeah. Lisa says, what, you couldn't find one unemployed gay guy? Yeah, that's your type, unemployed gay. Really funny. And they go, Fred Kavanaugh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, know they got one for everything. And you throw anything at them, they know a guy. Oh, gosh. Uh, so we cut back to Paul and Jamie. And now Jamie's mm-hmm. hammering the heat pipe in the bathroom with a hairbrush. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Paul is jumping up and down. They're trying to make noise. Yes. Get someone's attention yes. in the building. Yes. Which made me wonder why she didn't hammer a pattern out on the pipe. But. Whatever. Yeah, whatever is right. I think that is right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm judging my own note right now, just so everyone knows. I like the the people in the other apartment just being like, well, what's that banging? It's like, well, it's probably not a person. Was that a pattern? Well. (laughs) This is... I mean, that's what Morse code is. Well, excuse me. Exactly. But now you sound crazy because, as you know, living in New York, well, maybe, I don't know, because you only have three units in your building, right? So maybe you don't experience this. But clanking of pipes... Is constant. Right. You know, and, and yeah, they either normally make sounds or there's just work being done all the time. Right. You don't go out and say, oh, what? I mean, in New York, you don't go out. If a guy die, jumps off the roof of your building, you say, oh, I don't know what that is. I'll do with it later. <laughs> <laughs> Especially pipe banging. Oh, gosh. You're right. Also, this one's crazy. Why do they have a long wooden bench in the bathroom? Yeah. Jen was like, why is there a bench? What's going and on? And I love... This is, I love the game. I don't know why they do this. I don't know how this happened, but I do love that there is no telling what will appear in their apartment at any moment. I think that's, I'm always on the edge of my seat because the fact that you can get surprised by a gigantic bench being in the bathroom in episode 16 of a TV show is amazing. All bets are off. There are no rules. There are no rules with this apartment. <laughs> it's like no exit or something in a way. It's surreal. Oh, man. It doesn't really this exist in this terrible. plane. So Paul goes um, off on this Valentine's Day rant about uh-huh. the, the same rant everyone still does every year. Yes. Where it's like, we get it. Here's how Valentine's Day is stupid and pointless. Jamie knows all the facts about Valentine's Day. What is the big deal with Valentine's Day? You know what I mean? It's a made-up holiday. Nobody even knows who the St. Valentine guy was. He was a Roman priest who defended the Christians and was beheaded by Claudius II on February 14th, 269 A.D. <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, when did, when did the, the little, you know, the candy hearts with the messages come in? In the middle of the 16th century, the Prussians made an offer. Oh, right, but the point is, 
point is, I don't. I, I resent being told when to be romantic. You know what I mean? Why should I love you any more in the middle of February than I would on, say, August 21st? You know what I mean? To me, every day with you is Valentine's Day. So in other words, you forgot to buy me a card. Here's what I'm saying. <laughs> Very funny. Yes. Paul resents the idea of Valentine's Day. And we get and his catchphrase. Yeah, Jamie says you forgot to buy me a card. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. Classic. Uh, did uh, Jen's trope alarm go off? Well, uh, I mean, I mean, it definitely went off in the she, episode because my gosh. Yes. But. She later. She later said she was just like, "There are too many tropes ah. in this. It would. <laughs> I would. The guess whole that thing this was would be the a first alert. violation. The whole thing would be a trope alert. Absolutely. But what are you speaking of specifically? Oh, just the uh, dopey husband forgetting to buy something for a romantic occasion. Oh, sure, 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 sure. That's a good one. Flag on the play. <laughs> I always husband. thought it was crazy. But now that I'm 33, I get it. What? It's very easy to forget an important day between the two of you. Because I agree with Paul. This comes up in a discussion later. So I'll save it. But, uh, yeah, it's easy to forget. Yeah. It's like, oh, Valentine's Day is tomorrow? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I got to get a card. And then your day happens. And then it's the next day. And you're like, oh, I never got a card. Yeah. Of course. It's not quite the same thing. A couple of years ago, last year, I knew it was Saturday. And I knew the next day. <laughs> I had, well, listen, here's why this is important. It was a Saturday, and I knew to myself, I was just like, okay, so tomorrow night, got an improv show. Oh, yeah. Cool. Great. Doing an improv show. Okay, I'll have to leave at such and such time, come back at such and such time. Oh, boy. Okay, tomorrow night's a Super Bowl. That'll be fun. Okay, I'll get some (laughs) some wings for myself, get Uh, some pizza. Sure, I've done that. And that was my thought process until like 11 o'clock the night before, and then I was like, Oh no, those two things are happening at the same time and I can't watch the football game. Yeah, you have to go do like, the improv show that literally nobody's yeah, going to be at. That nobody's going to. Nobody was who at it. Who scheduled the Super yeah, Bowl Sunday improv show? Well, who thinks about the Super Bowl 2 months in advance when they book a, when they book an improv show? Great point. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about let me check my schedule. Was this our group? See if the sport that I ca- no no this was not this was a this is a two per- a two person improv team. Uh, I mean, you all, my friend Lauren. You all remember our Sunday night improv show, right? New York, Manhattan, Forty Fifth Street Theater. Sure, the Gary. Two thousand nine, two thousand ten. Oh gosh, what was our show called? We had a, a what? Working uh, time. It was quitting time. No, quitting time. Something. Uh, working out. Overtime. 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 Overtime of the Garys. Yeah, should be the um, name of the podcast too. Scene three. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm, I'm joking though. We're not there yet. No, we're not. Oh, Jamie has. Jamie's like. So after the whole V Day thing, Jamie's like, I have an idea, and there's just a beat, yeah. and then she kicks yeah. the door. Yeah, her idea is kick the door, <laughs> which is great. So then Paul, yeah. demo, he's like, No, baby, you got to like do some karate stuff, and he does. You know, he basically he basically does the hand equivalent of going. Wah! Yeah, he does some pretty bad yellow face. <laughs> Yellow hands. Yeah, yellow, he has yellow <laughs> hands. She joins him, and the two of them are uh, very silly yeah. in trying to kick this door They, down. like, tag team the karate. They, like, karate can tag team the door, like, one at a time. Yes. And then yes, we keep yes. cutting to Murray on the other side of the door, like, reacting to each kick. Yeah. I wrote down in my notes that the stage directions in the, like, the text for this script, the stage directions would have been, they silly kick the door down. I was imagining them <laughs> rehearsing this all week. And that seemed like yeah. a very fun process. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and the so they're doing it one at a time, and then it builds to them both doing it at the exact same time together. Yep. And I mean, this is the thing sitcoms are made of. 
It's pretty great. This is it's pretty good. I call this. I don't have a term yet. Like a trope alert. I love the trope alert. This would be mm-hmm. this, to me. This is a Friends opening credits moment. Easy. Oh sure. It has that sitcom yeah, je yeah, ne yeah. sais quoi. Yeah. It's like. No, that is that is a sitcom. Yes. This would be in the sure. opening credits of Friends forever. This forever. If, if and when they cut this show up and give it all of the, the honor it finally deserves, and TV Land gives it an award, you know, and they're, they're all there giving speeches and they show clips, this will be in that montage. We're going to call this, I got a name for it, we're going to call this a four clapper. Why? Because the four claps in Friends. So no one told you life oh. was going to be this way. Da, 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 da. Wow. That's in it for all seasons. That's how you know it. Boom. Oh, Russ, 30 years from now, people, there's going to be a two-hander podcast, and he's going to say, so this beat was a four-clapper. And he's going to say, what's that mean? <laughs> and he's going to say, oh, I went to the Wikipedia page of four-clapper. <laughs> Guess who came up with it? No one knows. But. <laughs> no one knows. That is beautiful. Uh, yes, it's a four-clapper. 100%. Great. So Jamie's next idea, Jamie's like on, in idea mode. Which yes. makes total sense. It's like this is what she's like for our Gantz. Yes. yes, problem solver. Great. So her next idea is to throw something out the window. And Paul right. does not like that idea. Hey, honey, let's just throw something out the window. How do you kill somebody? I just want to get their attention. Well, what's the good of getting the attention of somebody who just concussed into a coma? Concussed? Concussed, yeah, to give a concussion. To cause to be concussed. <laughs> That's a word. You can look it up. Listen, why don't we just drop something out of the window? But wrap it up to cushion it. See, now you're thinking. Now you're very smart. I'm Mrs. McGarver. Exactly. No. And I'm with Paul. Oh, well, sure. I mean, look, the best idea would be you're in the bathroom, throw a bunch of cotton balls down. You think that or, would work? You know how far those are going to blow? Yell. Yelling is a great idea. But they're at least 10 stories up. That's a lot. It's not easy, especially in New York. There's noise on the street. Yell. <laughs> I promise it would work. All right, I'll slide you a sandwich on the door because you're going to be locked in there forever. <laughs> Her citing Mrs. MacGyver made me wonder if there was a Mrs. MacGyver. And I think the way... Tyne Daly, yes. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? No, I'm teasing because Tyne Daly was also Mrs. Oh, Columbo. that's right. Yeah, good memory. <laughs> I forgot. I think the way they can tell we're tired is neither one of us bothered to look that up even. And that's definitely something I no, looked okay. up. No, uh, I don't think there was a Mrs. MacGyver. Or if there was, it was part of the show. I also don't uh, know if any of you Mr. guys MacGyver. care as much as I do <laughs> about that one I know one, one person who cares. That's true. <laughs> Mac, let us know. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> Mike, two questions for you. And I'm guessing the answer to both is no. Is there a Mrs. MacGyver? And is there an episode where he escapes from a missile silo with floss? The reason you know I'm tired is because that's clearly a joke. And the first time I heard it, my thought was, oh, is that a real episode? Oh, is that a thing? By the way, it sounds like you're coming on to Mac, but you think that his name is MacGyver, where he's like, so tell me, uh, Mac, <laughs> is there a uh, Mrs. MacGyver? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Paul goes on a little bit about the the word concussed. Yes, right. They have a little thing about whether or not that's a word. And that I'll only bring up because I remember being a kid and listening to Mike and the Mad Dog on oh, uh, dog, dog. sports radio. Dog. Yeah. Oh, my buddy Brett is always telling me about this show. I never listened to or watched or anything because it was local to the tri-state area, I think. You grew up in Connecticut. Yes. And he always tells me about Mike and the Mad Dog. They were great. They were insane and terrible and this is loud what I'm saying. and opinionated. 
and they yelled at each other and it was so much fun. And I just remember there was a, a, a guy who played, he got signed by the Rangers. Before that, he was on the Philadelphia Flyers named Eric Lindros. Uh huh. Big deal player. Four clapper. Yeah, he's a real four clapper of a guy. He was also injury prone and uh, <laughs> had a bunch of concussions. Oh no, I don't want to laugh, but that and, just sounds well, funny. No, it's okay. Like they, an injury they, prone they, hockey they just, player. Oh yeah, well, it, I mean, look, it happens all the I time. I guess you're right. But, I'm uh, just imagining a real klutz on the ice. <laughs> <laughs> that was not this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so the Rangers got him, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and so it's it's local, <laughs> and so on. Mike and the Mad Dog. Uh huh. I just remember the Mad Dog going on and just yelling at the top of his lungs about how bad a move this is. Just he's been concussed. He's been concussed twelve times. Eight times every year he's been concussed. I can't remember. I think it was in middle school. And I'm just laughing to myself and just thinking, oh, this guy's a real jerk. And I'm just I, I like, I snicker. And my dad, who was an English teacher, is like, what? And I was like, he's saying the word concussed over and over again. That's not, that's not a word. And my dad was just like, uh, yes, it is. The act of having a concussion is to be concussed. That's that verb form. I was like, oh, okay. What a memory. So, <laughs> so that's the end of this. The story about the word concussed. And I would say Jamie in this <laughs> moment judges Paul as much as you judged Mad Dog. Absolutely. It it rang pretty true. Yeah, because she's just like <laughs> concussed. And he has to be yeah. like, yeah. Playing the role of Gene Fader is Paul Buckner. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. For sure. Because that is how you end this up with I'm a saying. son. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you don't see the sports movie, though, that you just described, because I do, clear as day. Oh, sure. This klutzy There's hockey player there. with a great record who <laughs> the Rangers take when he finally is so injured he can't play. <laughs> it's like the Mighty Ducks oh, if one of them was just in a cast, the whole like a full-body cast the whole episode, and they just shove him out on the ice in front of the goal. I'd watch it. I would, too. I, I want to see uh, this movie. We got to get Emilio so Estevez cut, on it. Oh, we could do it. What's he doing? I don't know, but maybe something. Probably. This is Hollywood, baby. So, no one stops. So we cut. They just back change paragraphs. <laughs> Beautiful, a thing of beauty. So we cut back to Mark and Fran. Yeah. Ryan is Cupid, and he is a nightmare. Hey, there's our little Cupid. <laughs> and who knows where his love arrows will land? <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Who knows where his love arrows will land in his mom's butt? No. That's it's not okay. Fascinating. <laughs> it's not okay. He shoots. Oh, yeah, you guys can't see. Uh, Ryan is Cupid, right? So he has a. they bought him a little bow and arrow, of course. Yeah. Uh, so he's shooting people with the arrows. And uh, when Fran says that line, who knows where his love arrows will land, uh, he shoots her in the butt. <laughs> Hysterical. It is. It is kind of right. <laughs> it's cute. Those darts, those uh, arrows remind me of the uh, uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids ones. Okay. The super glued sure. ones. You know why they remind me of that? I... They're the same, and that's the only connection. <laughs> Great. So you're talking about arrows with uh, suction cups? Yeah, the, the mugs Good. they use, uh, the toothpaste <laughs> they were using in the uh, bathroom. <laughs> I'm mad about you. Remind me of the toothpaste they used. In another movie where they use toothpaste. Ooh, say more. <laughs> so, uh. Oh, so Fran has a theory. She puts it out there. Paul must have talked Jamie out of coming because he does that, which is so true. Yeah. This is well, where it got I mean, really realistic for me. And I was like, it's because it's like, yeah, is it crummy to be talking this way? Sure. Is she right, though? A hundred percent. Probably. Probably. But at the same time, sometimes, well, yes, 
he does that for better or worse, because I'm sure that there are plenty of times when Jamie would be go, go, going, and Paul will just say, look, you go too much. Let's take it easy tonight. Yeah. How about you take it easy and just chill Russ, out? Russ, this show is built on Paul talking Jamie out of plans. Yeah, you're right. I guess I, you, you don't have to say it to make me feel like a real jerk. You're giving him <laughs> too much credit. <laughs> Ugh, you always go easy on him. I'm so sick of this. Well, this has been Mad About Mad About You. <laughs> Get out of my way. <laughs> so we cut back to oh. the bathroom. Yeah, we do a little cutback joke because the setup occurs right. in Mark and Fran's apartment and the punchline occurs in Paul and Jamie's apartment. There's a couple of these. <coughs> they really play with these a lot in this episode. So right before yes. we cut back to Paul and Jamie, Lisa goes, just because they're married, they think they need to spend time together, which is its own little joke. But then we cut back, yes. and Paul is painting Jamie's toes, yes. toenails. Yes. And Jamie's flipping and... through the Victoria's Secret catalog. Look at these girls. Those breasts are not real. Good for you. You just figured out Victoria's big secret. <laughs> I think it's just wrong. You know what? This is really fun. It's, it's like painting on a little tiny canvas. Honey, do you think she's sexy? No. Oh, come on. No. Really, no. <laughs> Truly, she just doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> what, am I stupid? <laughs> you mean you never fantasize about me in one of these outfits? Sweetie, right now, my biggest fantasy would be you in a tool belt on the other side of this door. Right. I'm so sick of secret jokes. They are plentiful. Yeah, yeah, they really are. We know that's why and... it's called that. They called themselves that. It's not even a joke. They made the joke. They made... With yeah, the name. They, they did it on purpose. Yeah. You're not, you're not punching it yeah, up. Yeah, it's not like they gave it that name and said, does anyone know what the secret is? And everyone was like, no, I don't know. Mean? Did you hear something? Yeah, we pulled two words out of a <laughs> out of a fishbowl. Yeah, we had a fishbowl of proper mean? nouns and a fishbowl of just nouns. <laughs> oh, man. It could have been Larry's yeah, pocket. This thing, yeah, this thing was so close to being called Secrets Victoria. <laughs> but, uh... This thing could have been called uh, David's Boat. <laughs> so this, I mean, I'm sure Jen's trope alarm was, this is a five alarm, this is a five alarm trope, I would say, this, yeah, this conversation, right? For sure, for I sure. I mean, basically, it's almost like Jamie's asking if the magazine makes her look fat. Yes. Like. The whole, yeah. You know? Do you think she's sexy? Yeah. What am I stupid? Yeah, what am I stupid? Also, they did this last week. Yeah. <laughs> At the I, wedding, the same thing. We're going to see this a lot. But this one in particular, I guess, is just one of those where, uh, you know, I, I moved you the on. Wrong way. A man yeah. who loves old jokes. Even this one's right. too old for me. A little bit too much. But I do, they make up for it big time with that biggest fantasy joke, I think. <laughs> My biggest fantasy, you in a tool belt on the is other you? side of that door. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. That was great. Uh, so we go back to Mark and Fran's apartment. We Jen and I laughed at that twice, and Jen the second time was just like, I'm a little bit embarrassed at how much I laughed at that again. No, and don't like, be. It's a good it's joke. It's so great. <laughs> oh, it's such a great line. It's a good one. So, yeah, we learned that Paul and Jamie cancel a lot on Fran and Lisa. Yes. Which now we're getting to it. Now we're getting into where these feelings are coming from. We knew that, though. 
Uh, haven't you had friends like this? Or are you those friends? <laughs> no, you know, we. It's uh, I've I've had friends like this. Yes, you know, sometimes. Look, of course, right? It's hard. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Oh, you are very understanding. There's such a thing as priorities, Russ. <laughs> if you prioritize your friends, then you don't flake that much. And if you don't, you do. That's true. Fair enough. I love um, and Oh, wait. What were going to say? Oh, uh, well, so Lisa goes over. Yeah, so they're having this conversation. Ugh. I can't believe they're not here yet. First, she twists my arm to come to this lousy party, and then she leaves me here to suffer alone. <laughs> Paul and Jamie canceled on us three times in the last month. Please, they're always dumping me. That's it. I am never calling them again. Me neither. Oh, come on, guys. Give them a break. It's Valentine's Day. They're probably in each other's arms, happily locked away somewhere. I love how Lisa just brazenly trashes Fran's party to her face. <laughs> and Fred doesn't even... I love that they don't even address yeah. it. They just keep moving forward. Not a blip. Because this yeah, is yeah, about yeah. Paul and Jamie not showing up. Yep. And Mark comes to their rescue. Give him a break. They're probably embraced in each other's arm. Oh, yeah. Locked away. We... Lo- literally says locked away somewhere. Locked away. That's it. <sighs> and we smash cut to Paul getting ready to use Jamie's head as a battering ram to break the door down, which is very stupid, but really funny that's one where in the right mood i would be on the floor and in the wrong mood i would not they didn't catch you right no <laughs> i got real mad <laughs> mostly because i thought paul don't you know if it was the other way around maybe but i think but, uh, the, the notion of using your wife's head as a battering ram see right now come on that's funny i'm in the mood to love <laughs> it no, you know what i'm finding guys okay so i'm tired i'm a little grumpy Everyone knows I love this show. We're doing a podcast, but I sound like I hate it probably. Also, I must have been in a bad mood when I took these notes because they're very negative. And now that we're talking about this moment, it's the funniest thing ever. <laughs> oh, you're funny when you're punching. It's so funny. <laughs> Using a head as a battering ram. It's great. It's great. I, Good time. And one of my favorite parts of the show is how it can be super realistic and then super zany. Yep. And yet here I am poo-pooing it. Go f- aren't people complicated? <laughs> people. Oh, man. What a rich layer. <laughs> what... <laughs> What a many textured thing are human. Ugh. That's not the way sentences go. What a many textured so, thing are human? Are human. A R E or O U R? Uh well O U R would make would be profound, but if I'm being honest, I said A R E. Everyone look out for this tweet this week. What a many textured thing are human. Oh, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been written down. <laughs> Um, Scene four. So we come back from commercial. Guess where we Jamie are? Jamie is doing sit-ups in the bathroom. Yes. Well, Paul is Jamie's just outside the tub doing sit-ups. Paul is inside yeah. the tub reading menswear catalog with his feet balanced on Jamie's knees outside the tub. It's yes. Uh, honestly, is this too much? Can I say that this episode is has two four clappers? <laughs> no, this is you're absolutely this right. This is. I mean, this could, if if you if I was putting together a, a back of a DVD, this would be on it. This is not the last four clapper for the episode, John. Oh, I might have forgotten. I can't wait to find out what the next one is. But there are yeah. there are a lot of great, beautifully staged sitcom moments in this episode. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean Absolutely. sitcom in a pejorative way that people use it constantly. I mean it in the glorious way. Yeah, and which is the it's only way one. we use it on this show. The, oh, this is, in this house, we sitcom. use sitcom in the good way. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so jamie's doing sit-ups jamie says fran's gonna kill me paul says good she'll have to open the door to do it such a good line then paul says these catalog boys are, aren't better looking than me you know these catalog boys they're not so hot 
You think this guy's good looking? Yes. Really? He's not better looking than me. He's just better dressed. I'm like one good pair of chinos away from being this guy. <laughs> hey, John, what's a catalog, boy? What do you what's mean? A catalog, I'm a model. I'm a model. Have you ever heard that? What an interesting way of phrasing it. It is a very colloquial. It is the most the, colloquial way, I suppose. <laughs> the McElroy brothers from my brother and bro, my brother and me, a, a great podcast, uh, might refer to them as good, good catalog boys, but that's not what they do on this show. Well, you I'm just went you. away and came back because <laughs> I don't know what you're talking. Also, when you say McElroy, my brain goes immediately to Jim McElroy, which I think is Jeff Daniels' name on the newsroom. That's from the news. Oh, Will McAvoy. Said, Will McAvoy. Will, yes, that's Will McAvoy. I said McElroy. Oh, McElroy. So, yes, different. Uh. Listen to my brother, my brother, and me. You'll like it. Actually, you will not. Uh. <laughs> but, uh, but everybody else should. It's a lot of fun. Everyone thinks they know what I like and dislike. And they're almost mm. always, well, no, I'd say it's 50-50. 50-50, uh, which is basically all you can ask for. 50% wrong and 50% wronger. <laughs> Um, so so yeah Fran and Lisa expect Paul and Jamie to call and Paul and Jamie expect Fran and Lisa to look for them yeah Jamie's annoyed that they're not they don't have a search party together and Paul yeah. sort of pass, very passively takes her side mm-hmm. he's just sort of like sure <laughs> yeah cause yeah cause Jamie says you know if they were missing uh, you, you'd look for them and he's just like no yeah <laughs> but also like and I know that's a joke but also I'm like mm-hmm. no yeah. Because they're not I missing mean, it's yet. Jo- it's a joke in that it's written as a joke, and he is kidding, but it's not a joke in that nobody in the audience laughs because they see the truth. Right. <laughs> yes, like, yes. Yeah, they're like, no, he wouldn't. I love the uh, – there's a moment that happens earlier. I think this is what happened. When he does the Q-tip joke, they get a third laugh <laughs> when he finally uses the Q-tip. Right. But because of the way the camera is, you don't see that. You just see – Jamie look back at him, mm-hmm. and he's out of frame, and the audience laughs. Okay. And I have to assume he's doing something funny with the Q-tip. Could be. So there's one joke there that's just for the people that were there. It's a free a free laugh. Which is pretty fun. That's fun. Makes you think of all those moments that have happened through the years. Yeah. Makes me think of a lot of things. I won't get into them all right now. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah. So, oh, so Jamie's looking for food because mm-hmm. they've been in there a couple hours, I guess. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> they probably haven't eaten all yeah. day, maybe. I don't know, because it's yeah. Sunday, presumably. Yeah, it's almost sundown where they live, too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the other thing, guys. Their window is still daylight as well. So the yeah. nighttime <laughs> thing is crazy. <laughs> so Jamie finds Tums in the cupboard. Yep. She says, oh, thank God, Tums. And uh, Paul is not super into the idea of eating uh, anti-inflammatories. Uh, and mass. Right. Antacids, yeah. Antacids, thank you. I don't know. Yes. I, I okay. should know because, well, I don't eat Tums that much, but I feel like in my future, I will. I will. Don't sweat it. Uh Oh, but he quotes, I mean, I feel like Paul's doing our segment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because he's talking about <laughs> the two of them, and he, and he reads that what he imagines the headline to be, and he goes, they were found dead in their apartment. Their bodies were strangely loaded with calcium. Mm-hmm. And two <laughs> calcium-loaded dead bodies in New York in 1993. Sounds like That's once a, date a week. Line, baby. Yeah. That's a dateline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, five for Paul, six for Jamie. Oh, yeah. Jamie's dealing them out. And she gets an extra one because right. she found it. Right. Very fair. And Paul wants to space them out and save them. And Jamie is just going to eat them. Yeah. So they agree. Well, you just have one right now. 
Right. Uh, and, uh, oh, to, I, I should have looked up the name, but, uh, 10 gold stars for the person to, for the Foley artist for this episode. Oh you my get, gosh. You yes. get the crunching of Tums and you, th- oh man, you think that's a Tums. That guy's eating the Tums. Yeah. Those two, those are Tums being eaten. Yeah. Good work. I could just imagine and then, and, anyone trying to talk him into using something that's similar to Tums and him being like, uh-huh. no, no, fire him. <laughs> what is this? The Rolades? Go to hell. <laughs> yeah, what is this? Uh, Lori's home? What's that show that got canceled? Oh my god. What was the show for the yeah. first episode we did? This is, this? This, what is, what are we watching? Civil, this is not Civil Wars. Oh, that's <laughs> right. There we go. Yeah. That's one of them. Uh, but also the Foley artist has a lot of great jokes in this episode that come up later. Sure does. Um, Oh, so Paul compares their situation to the Swiss Family Robinson. It's like Swiss Family Robinson. Except for what our families are in here, and we're not named Robinson. <laughs> Frankly, we're not so Swiss. Oh, honey, we'll get out of here. Don't cry. That wasn't me. I thought that was you. Murray! Oh, Murray! I forgot all about it. Oh, Murray's here. Murray will save us. Yes. Which I agree. It's very. It's like an urban castaway. That's a fun bit of business. Um, do, what is what is the deal with them? I know they're surviving, um, but is the dad on the lamb or something? <laughs> like, oh, like why is the family thought, in the woods? I think they just need to. I don't know for sure. I think they just need to survive in the wilderness. Because so you know what I'm saying. Like they don't talk about. Oh, our father yeah, killed eight people back in. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're shipwrecked or what the deal is. Oh, it could be a shipwreck. You know what? I bet that's what it is. I You didn't define who you were talking about at the beginning of that sentence when you said, what's the deal with them? I had to put together that you were talking <laughs> about the Swiss family, Robinson. <laughs> I thought at this point of the episode and the podcast, you were just asking, what's the deal with Paul and Jamie? Oh, no. So I was talking about tell, my friend Barry. <laughs> so tell me about their their situation. Are they together? Are they? <laughs> yeah. What's uh, uh, What's their story? <laughs> is there a Mrs. Buckman? <laughs> is there a Mr. and Mrs. Buckman? Mrs. and Mr. Buckman? That's what you say when you're looking for a thruple. <laughs> and you're right. a unicorn. That's a term that's in the pop culture now. <laughs> sure that no one knew. knew and no one knew what that was a year ago. Nope. And now everybody does. Turns out they do exist. <laughs> Except it's still hard to believe, right? Oh, gosh. So good. So Paul is uh, trying to... Uh, get Murray's attention. Oh, yeah, they hear... He remembers they, they hear crying. And they think they it's each crying. other, which is also crazy. Each other. And they say, yeah, oh, wait, no, it's Murray. I forgot about our dog. Um, which was surprising. Yes. But, oh, that feeling and, of hope. This is the plane flying uh-huh. over the island. Yes. And then scrambling with fire, which... Paul sticks his finger yep. through the hole in the in the door, and Murray licks at it. A lot. Says, I really... <laughs> yeah. Paul says, I really hope that's Murray. Did you like that one? That one I didn't like. That's fine. Uh, who is it, Paul? Um, who, uh, did someone break into your apartment and suck your finger? No. <laughs> oh, man. Don't, hey, look, a little gay panic. Never heard no one in 90s sitcoms. <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, you're right. Yeah. I didn't take it that way, but I think I should have. I mean, it's 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 a stranger. Paul doesn't want a stranger to be licking his finger, but really, he doesn't want a strange dude to be licking his finger. That's you know? very true. Yeah. Um. So Paul gives very specific instructions. Oh, to Murray. yes, it's the lassie moment. Listen, Murray, we need you to go get help. Oh, come on, we can do this. 
Murray, all you got to do is go to the front door, okay, and, and use your paws to, to turn the knob, and then go down the hall to the elevator and push the button with your nose, okay? Then get in the elevator, and you press L for lobby. Right, L for lobby. And then you go down to the lobby, and you go, and you go to the doorman, Eddie. You know Eddie. But, yeah, he's, that's right, he smells like wool, and he's got... The epaulets. She's got the epaulets. And you tell him the Buckmans are trapped in 11D. Honey, you're talking to Murray. He gets confused playing fetch. Yes. Jamie has no faith. Nope. Jen pointed out, she was like, Jamie th- seems to think that a smarter dog would be able to do this. <laughs> oh, that's only- a great point. Yeah, the only reason that Murray can't do it is because he's a dumb dog. <laughs> that's a great, yes. Your average intelligence <laughs> or a higher dog would have no problem. Yeah. Would be fine, but this is Murray we're talking about. Even even the smartest <laughs> yeah. dog, I think, would at least have trouble being like, "Wait, do I hit G in the? Yeah. Do I hit G or L <laughs> in yeah, the yeah. elevator? Be- yeah. There's no star." <laughs> <laughs> Jamie does not say, "Paul, he's a dog." She says, "Paul, <laughs> it's Murray." <laughs> it's a little mean too. It's very mean, um, because Paul. It's like it's it's almost like Paul was a single dad. Like his relationship uh, yes. with Murray, and it's like now, yes. you know, she's his stepmom, and she's like, Absolutely. your son is stupid. Yeah, basically. That's sort of how he takes it, at least. Being nicer. Yeah. Jen Jen also took a moment right now to say, I am disturbed by the placement of the shower head in that shower. Oh, I didn't even notice. It is on the long side of the shower. Like, the side. What? Like, yeah. Fascinating. It's crazy. It I no love sense. it. It is not to okay. To me, it's like the wooden bench. Yeah. The way these people live, it's so recognizable, but also completely alien. And that is to say nothing of the shower curtain. Oh, I didn't mind it. Is, it felt like something from the Met, uh, like a like a Renoir. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to... Oh, well, it looks like a Monet a little. Did he do flowers um, that were colorful? I think so. Sure. Right? Sure. Roses and water lilies are practically the same thing. Indeed. Uh <laughs> Oh, no, so, they're not. Har har. No, they're not. So, Jamie. <laughs> so, at this point, Jamie has to go to the bathroom. Ah, uh, yes. Right. And Paul says, come on. And Jamie cannot do it. In oh, wait. Paul. You skipped a great part. Did I? If I may. Please. A little tear that Paul. So, uh, after. Well, well, first off, they give all the directions to Murray. And yes. he starts walking away from the door. And Paul gets excited. And Murray's just climbing into their bed. But yes. after that beat's over, uh, Jamie's like, have you ever made a list of the books you bring on the desert island? Oh, right, yeah. And Paul breaks down the logic of that question very well. <laughs> Do you ever make up a list of all the books you'd like to take with you to a desert island? You know what? I don't you know what I understand about that list? Is it supposed to be books that you love, your favorite books, or is it books that you always wanted to read, but you never got a chance? Boy, is my tongue chalky. <laughs> Because, you know, now you're on Desert Island, you got nothing but time, right? But then what if you don't like the books? Then you're stuck with the books. You wish you brought your favorites. It's, it's a conundrum. He does. But my answer to him would be you take a couple from a column A, a couple from column B. Yeah, come on. Lighten up, Paul. But the first not, time he... Not a... <laughs> yeah, lighten up, right. Yeah. There's no rule that says... Yeah. There's no you, rule that says knew... I can't take two book, one book I like and one book I don't like. Paul, you knew the answer to this question before you asked it. Come on. But it's a very compelling argument, <laughs> and it got past me the first time. <laughs> Not me, baby. Uh, oh, uh, I didn't have my thinking hat on. <laughs> so Paul, uh, or rather Jamie, yeah, now, she needs to go to, to the bathroom. bathroom. 
Paul says, come on, I do it in front of you. And Jamie says, I know, and I hate it. I love it because bad situations always bring out the truth. Yep. I love that because suddenly you're like, it doesn't matter. I can just tell you. Like, Have you ever been locked? Well, I'll tell this. I I've never been it. locked in a bathroom. I've never been locked in a room? I was trapped in an elevator with a buddy of mine. Oh, no. Just the two of us. For how long? On our way, on uh, maybe like 40 minutes? <laughs> But here's the thing. No, I know. It, well, look, you, was, thought, you, no, you thought I understand. You thought that it was. You thought I was going to say nine. No, hours. no, that's a long time in real life. It's just in my head. I was hoping for comedic effect. It was going to be very short. No, this is the expensive umbrella of, of, umbre- <laughs> of <laughs> elevator stays. You got some um, flack for that. I sure did, but it was really funny. But here's the thing: is that it was before class, right? I was, sure. My my friend Mike and I were on our way to a sketch class. And we were on our way up. And as we went up, I said, you know, it, it was just like, okay, we've got 10 minutes before class starts. We'll get up there. That gives me enough time to use the bathroom before class and then go to class. Oh, no. And then we got stuck in an elevator. Oh, and you didn't have time. Didn't have time <laughs> and had to. Go- yeah, that was, a pr- that was a real problem. Was that I, once I finally got out of the elevator, I just had to rush straight to class. <laughs> And that's the end of it. Wait, so what no. happened? Is this a disgusting story? Because I have to tell you, no. you were very easily offended last week when I talked about New York City's uh, sewage. And now this L- is sure. bordering no, I'm, on I'm, I'm, well, no. disgusting. Well, it, how, well, it's not bordering because you're not letting me tell the story. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the only reason it is bordering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you wanna you wanna stop the bordering? Uh, nothing gross happened. I t- <laughs> we had cell phone reception, and so I was able to talk to the people in the front desk. Wow! Uh, we were like, "Hey, there's uh, the elevator stopped." Like, okay, we'll uh, we'll we'll get it figured out. And then we call back, and they're like, "Okay, we've got to get the key from the super." Like, okay, where's the super? He's across town. Oh no! Oh, don't worry, he just left. And we're like, that doesn't give us any sort of a time frame. And then I am kneeling, and my friend is reading a book to try to keep me calm because I'm just like I'm in child's pose, taking deep breaths, trying to breathe from my back. I mean, absolutely, that's terrifying. I have to use the bathroom, yeah. but also you're hanging from and a cable. There's also that. Well, but yeah, but how high? So through all of this, ah, uh, maybe. Six floors, someone. So yeah, so through all of that, you know, the guy is jerking my chain as far as, <laughs> oh well, he's 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 uh, this far away, he's that far away. We're not sure he'll be here soon. He'll be here ten minutes. He's you know yeah, the guy is Chinese yeah, food. He's Chinese for delivery. He just left. He's yeah, fifteen right. minutes away. Meanwhile, the guy's like eating a sandwich at home. Yeah, at one point, I would just say to the guy, I'm just like. Look, I have to take a <laughs> so, <laughs> so, and the guy suddenly snaps in. He's just like, "Oh, I'm so okay. All right, whoa, all right. Somebody will be here." And then they eventually showed up, and everything worked out okay. Wow! But it was bad news. So I feel for. It's not quite. I can't do it in front of somebody, Jamie. But I understand where you're coming from. Oh, absolutely. I I I am a hundred percent on board with Jamie. Yeah. So she asks him to go into the shower, close the curtain, mm-hmm. sing, mm-hmm. cover his ears, and sing loudly. Yep. And then they do a little back and forth about what he should sing. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you want me to sing a show stop? Oh, she's just something catchy yep. and upbeat, right?" 
Yep. And he's like, what, a showstopper like Brigadoon? Which, what a fun yeah. reference. Never heard it either. Oh, I know that show. Oh, really? Yeah, they did that show in my high school when I was in middle school. So I saw that a bunch of times. You know. I really like Brigadoon. You know what's weird? What's that? I saw The Odd Couple done by my high school when I was in middle school. And it was so good to me. I saw it two or three times, and it's still the Those definitive are, production of The Odd Couple for me. It's formative. Those th- high school theater is so important <laughs> in shaping lives. Of middle I'm, I'm like, Yeah, of middle schoolers, of, of, of elementary school kids, absolutely. Listen to what you just said. That's the, that, is the, that is the definitive version of The Odd Couple for you. That's crazy, but it is true. It's true. I was in, my dad was a high school teacher, like I said, and he used to take us to see the high school shows at his school every year. Oh, that's nice. And they did this, and they did the sound of music when I was in elementary school, and there are these elementary school kids up on stage doing shows. And I'm just like, and I see them afterwards, and it's like they're famous. It is, absolutely. You know, which is so funny age. being an they're adult local now. kids. Yeah. And looking at a high school show of any caliber and being like, what was I thinking? No, it's uh, you're right. Love you're it. right. Love it. Love it. That feels like an old um, joke. Oh, that, what, that production big, of sound of music good? was so bad. I sided with the Nazis. <laughs> huh? That's a good joke. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, you said that sounds like an old joke. And uh, I was trying to think of what the joke was, but you hadn't said it out loud. yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's like that old Jackie Mason bit. <laughs> Which I'll tell you. That is a good one. That is a good one, Jackie. Well, it's sort of that. He uh, he tells a joke, it gets a laugh, and then he just takes a beat and he laughs at himself. And he goes, I just told myself a better joke than I told you. <laughs> I can't believe that was an actual Jackie Mason joke tied up in there. I thought you were doing a bit. We've reached bit inception. So, um, <laughs> uh, so, so uh, let's Paul see. Paul settles on King and I, the King and I. Which also I want to see happen. Sure. If, okay. And okay, they, guys. They cut to a weird. This is an, uh, we. This is an exercise, though, that I think we should all engage in for the next three years, however long this podcast goes. Fantasy sequences you would like to see. Oh, well, in your fantasy, a playlist of the cast members and this Broadway song, because I want to see Fran and Mark do Matchmaker. I want to see Paul mm-hmm. do King and I. We already saw the Stemple oh. Girls do Sister Sister. I want to see Jamie Buckman play 76 trombones on the cello. 100%. Mm-hmm. I want to see Lisa do uh, something from Will Rogers Follies. And we are only halfway through season one. Man, this is going to be a box set <laughs> that no one makes. So, so they want to do a song from The King and I, and that cuts to a weird synth version of Getting to Know You, which segues us into the next scene. Oh, that's what that was. Yeah. That was very weird. Very weird. Um, Paul and Jamie talk about their pores. Uh, okay, excuse me. Continuity alert. Uh-oh. Because my notes say, oh, Paul and Jamie's the next day. Why, you might ask? Because the exterior of their building <laughs> is broad daylight. <laughs> and then when we go inside, the window, the light behind the bathroom window is Dark as night. I don't know Busted. what the editor was smoking when he did this episode, but the exteriors and the interiors are way off. They couldn't decide. What did you they mean? What decide. is there to decide? I, whether or not Mark and Fran's party was <laughs> yeah, a, a matinee <laughs> in the future. I guess so. It's just, it's crazy. It's not even a live yeah. broadcast. 
I would get it yeah, if it was a live Mark broadcast and they messed up. This is like, you know. Yeah. Mark and Friends party takes place after nuclear winter where, <laughs> the, where there's no more sun. Oh, no wonder it seems so. like such a great party. <laughs> so, yeah, they're looking at their pores and mm-hmm. she begins to put a face mask on and Paul calls it the Hulk mm-hmm. mask. Right. And I know I'm a little colorblind, but in my memory, the Hulk is green and this face mask is very white. Uh, it, the face mask that she was putting on to me looked a bit uh pale green. Oh wow! Oh boy, do Let's I have a mask little... on my face? Uh, boy, oh boy, it is. That is my color blindness. Then goopy and green. There you go. Oh my gosh! Okay, but it's the Hulk's okay. like super green. But I, I get could it. Have and should have been more green for that joke to really land. I get it though. So food um, for thought. Okay. And speaking of food, Paul asks, "What's in this mask?" Oh yeah, and <laughs> she's like. It's apple, lemon, avocado, and they like I both. It was al- yeah, aloe, lemon, and oh, avocado. Oh, aloe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they look yeah, at each yeah. other and immediately taste it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's immediately disgusting. Yep. Oh. And Paul says, tastes very much like chicken. Is this the trope alert that made Jen crazy? Which, yeah, which made me say, <laughs> why does aloe, lemon, and avocado taste like chicken? Because it's a joke. And Jen said, and Jen said, trope alert! Yeah. yeah, it's an old joke, Russ. Oh, I get it. I know that it's a joke. I know that it's an old joke. You sound like I'm, me. To use it in that instance, yeah, I'm just like... And I hear you. I just want one of the ingredients to be chicken. <laughs> And then to say tastes like chicken, but it's like that's this is like having a fruit salad and be like, oh, it tastes like chicken. Well, you know what I wrote? What's that? After I wrote that note, I wrote capital U, capital G, capital H. <laughs> <laughs> Great, love it. We go back to the party, and who do we see at the party? This was so great. Oh, Putty! David Putty, Patrick Warburton, Seinfeld's Putty is talking to Lisa. And Putty thinks that Lisa is a girl named Stephanie. And then Lisa oh, says, yeah. no, I'm, I know my name is Lisa. Hey, looks like Lisa found somebody. Oh, it's great to finally meet you. Fran has not stopped raving about you. Really? Yeah. It's nice to meet you, too. So tell me, what's it like breeding racehorses? <laughs> I uh, don't know. Fun? Well, from what Fran says, fun's your middle name. What's my first name? Stephanie. No, Lisa. Oh, Fran told me all about you, too. Excuse me. <laughs> He's so funny, I can't stand He's it. He's so good. And, uh, it, well, the, the way they build it up is so good. Because you, your yep. brain's coming up with all the different jokes. Because first you're like, oh, yep. Fran lied to like make her seem... Yep. And then the beat when he finally... Just, so people can't see this also, but... Well, no, you can tell. He says, excuse me. And he just walks away. Oh. It's so good. He looked very young great. and handsome. Yeah, yeah, he sure did. Yeah, Putty's looking good. I get it. I get it. Putty. This is before the Arby's. <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is young Putty. We cut back to the bathroom. Yep, and now they're sitting on the floor by the door, mm-hmm. and there's some stuff out. There's a rubber ducky out now, a toilet plunger, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Paul's foot is asleep. His yeah, foot he stands up. up his to, yeah. From the foot, the leg, and the buttock. Oh, also, he's like, he asked Jamie if she wants to play Hangman again. That's the first line of the scene. Right. Imagining them playing Hangman, that's a scene I would love to see. That'd be very fun. And watching them disagree on exactly how you draw the Hangman. Also, why isn't it called (laughs) Hungman? Because... I'm going to put this in my act. Ought to be Hungman. 
I mean, um, what is? But it's true. If it was Hangman, you'd be drawing a guy who's like releasing the uh, <laughs> the wood under the the guy who's being hung. Do you want to know how not true it is? The past tense of to hang is hanged, not hung. When you're talking about hanging a person, no. Yep, he was hanged at eleven o'clock. Oh, now I feel like Jamie. You should. Well, that and that you. is another thing. And you that feel like your third- father. Well, I do, I do, and this is maybe the first English lesson that my dad taught me. I don't know why. That's I guess a amazing. Lot of, um, I guess me and a lot of kids, we all, you know, I and a lot of kids, we all talked about uh, <laughs> hanging a lot. And so he was just like, I just remember him just saying, "hanged, not hung." And so that was something I've been, I've been correcting people's grammar when it comes to hanged versus hung like a jackass my whole life oh yeah that sure is a lot of fun <laughs> i learned a lot though this episode this is a big big time week i'm me. never gonna forget that because that's so unusual or unexpected if you don't already know there you it. go there you go but that's the i guess most things that you people don't know <laughs> it's true so paul uh his foot's asleep jamie's bored he gets up He's chicken walking around with a foot that's asleep. She is just spinning around. Yes, it looks like an in insane asylum. It is completely gifable, and it is absolutely a four clapper. Ah, yes, a hundred percent. Great. Yeah. Wow, this is a twelve clapper episode. <laughs> Holy moly! So she's spinning. He's chick clucking or whatever, and uh-huh. he's rattling off all the things they've done. We yep. counted the tiles eleven times, which no, they didn't. Yep. Uh, they yep. read everything there is to read. They played every game. What is left to do? And boy, do they look at each other. Cue the sexy music. They, they give very knowing they des- looks. They decide to have some marital fun. Uh-huh. As you might say, and what a gross way to put it. You're disgusting, John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if everyone hates the way Russ did that, tweet at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they start, so, you know, they're going to do it. So... They start to take their clothes off, and we transition almost immediately to them putting their clothes back on with a frustrated yep. Jamie going, well, now what are we going to do? Now what are we going to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Anything that takes more than five minutes. <laughs> okay, so the earth didn't move. The bath mat didn't even move. <laughs> I told you my, my leg was half asleep. You're right. I'm sorry. It's all my fault. <laughs> and boy, she pretty, she really, <laughs> she really goes into him. Oh, I thought she was okay. I I feel like um roasting uh your your partner's uh prowess mess, messing around ability is uh, pretty intense. No. Well, I think that there are ways. I think that she could have given it a lot harder. That if she was really upset. And really wanted to hurt him about it, she could have. I think that the way that she went about it seemed pretty tame to me. So, if someone said these things to you, it wouldn't hurt you. It might, but uh, but would you say that's it's... because you're human? <laughs> oh my god, John! Oh, what a break! <laughs> oh. Because I would. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paul saying, "All right, so the Earth didn't move," and Jamie saying, "The bath mat." I mean, didn't that's move. pretty brutal. That's all right. This is a little hard. That's all you know. <laughs> but then she turns again. She does another turn, and she starts sort of like she leans into him and she kisses him a little, yep. and she starts seducing him. We discover four tums. Four of the tums. And yes. to get back at her, he takes the last tums out of his pocket and eats it, and yep. then just goes 
on and on for a beat about how great it tasted. Mm-hmm. So then we go back Jamie to the... Says, oh, yeah? Yeah, Jamie says, give me a thumbs or I'll leave you. <laughs> yeah, she, like, grabs him by the collar, right? Yes. Um. Oh, wait, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, that happens later. The later Tums eating happens later. Wait. The last Tums eating. The last Tums eating is when we come back in for the last scene. We're not there yet. Oh, this one, this he, scene just ends with her asking for Tums and him he, saying he's out? Yes. Oh. Or him saying, yeah, I'm saving it. You ate yours. And she says, give me your Tums or I'll leave you. And then we cut to oh, the Oh, spoiler alert, back. guys. He eats it. Anyway, yeah. back to the party. Sorry, everybody. Thanks for, thanks for calling me out, though. We're nothing if we're yeah, not honest. Hey, it's okay. So, Ryan shoots Lisa in the head with an arrow. Then he goes and shoots another guy in the head. <laughs> you can tell Russ doesn't like a thing. Is that what's happening they, right now? They fall in love with each other. Okay, yeah. You can, <laughs> I mean, hey, you can tell when Russ doesn't like a thing by his very obvious tone. But B, when you summarize it in the broadest way possible. Hey, John, it is 11 p.m. Oh, guys, Russ is tired. <laughs> I know. We're just in the home... We're in the home stretch, and all that's happening is a sh- is a trope alert. So we can zip past Ooh. this to get back to the fun stuff. Ooh. And I've got and P.S. John, I've got weird stuff to talk about for the end of this episode. So do I. So I'm just trying to. I think we have the, the same finish. thing, and that's why we have the podcast together. But excuse yeah, me, go. one moment. Okay, fine. They fall. Are we going to talk about? Are let's you... give some big credit to the great suction cup foley. Thank work. you. Yes. You don't have a Valentine. You don't have a. Valentine. Oh, Ryan, please have some compassion. Ryan, what did I tell you about arrows and eyes? Do you like carriage rides through Central Park, Lisa? I love them. Especially when I'm with someone. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I laughed so hard at those sounds. Oh, I love you, and I love this show, and I love Mad About You, and I love our podcast. And also, that's really funny, stupid, great suction cup Foley work. The guy had a very funny, like, he had the thickest English accent. He really put it on. Like, very deep, and, and like, he yes. this guy crushed it. His name's Gregory Paul Martin, and he was in great one of my work, grandmother's sir. favorite movies, A Walk in the Clouds. <laughs> oh, Walk in the Clouds, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Speed! Cans. Cans. <laughs> I'd love to hear that British accent talking about cans. I mean, that's sort of what you were doing when you were that, trying to do Keanu Reeves. So. That affected voice. Oh, my gosh. So uh, we cut back to Paul and Jamie. They're breaking Paul down. Eats Tums. Paul eats a Tums right in her Yeah, face. it's becoming like Lord of the Flies now. Mm-hmm. It was Swiss Family Robinson, then it was Castaway, now it's Lord of the Flies. Yep. And uh, Jane, they're, they're defeated. Well, I guess you got your wish. What wish? No Valentine's Day. Hey, I never said I didn't want Valentine's Day. I just said I don't need the chocolates and the flowers and the big fuzzy cards. Last year, you gave me chocolates and flowers and we went dancing. Last year, yeah, because I was still wooing you. And now? 
Now, I, I got you. That's, don't you understand? That's why guys get married, so they can stop wooing. It's, it, it's exhausting to woo. You know, you woo, you woo, and you woo, and then you gotta go, whoa. Still. Come on. Seriously? You know I love you, right? Yes, I know, but once in a while it would be nice to have some grand romantic gesture. Jamie says, yeah. Yeah, that whole Valentine's Day. It, it turns out the, this yes. fight was because of the way she felt he felt about Valentine's Day. Yes, yes. Just when you also, forgot that's... this episode was a Valentine's Day episode, yep. they bring it, it becomes back. a special Valentine's Day episode brought to you by Hallmark. That's why guys get married, says Paul, to stop wooing. You woo and you woo and you woo and then you gotta go, whoa. That's a fun line to say, I bet. For sure. <laughs> you, you didn't like hearing it very much? I didn't mind it, but I feel like it's sometimes it's one of those that's probably a little more fun to say than to hear. Maybe. But still fun to hear. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, side by side, I'd rather be the one saying it. Yep. Hey, John, my battery's blinking. Let's sprint. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. Uh, for us, his battery is dying. It doesn't matter. what. <laughs> you know what? What if we just said it doesn't matter what happens next because the tag is it's crazy? A, <laughs> that's fair. Well, and you guys heard happens, the spiel. Yeah. Okay? They make up. That's they true. do the last well, thumbs. Yeah. They split it in half. Here's it. Yeah. They split this. They split the thing in half. They eat the thumbs. It's adorable. It's adorable. They, Very they, touching. Yes. Mad about you. Blah blah blah. Tag. They talk about even it, the yeah. tag has two scenes. First, we're in the bubble bath. They're doing a bubble bath. Mm-hmm. Honestly, don't address whether or not they made it out of the bathroom ever. Oh no, they didn't. <laughs> because they didn't. the net. So in the tag, we this is the first time this has ever happened on the show. There's two different scenes in the tag. First, them in the bubble bath talking about a John's Pizza, which is a West yep. Village uh, pizzeria that everyone yep. knows. Mm-hmm. And then we <laughs> we cut to a doorbell ringing uh, of Mark and Fran, and it's Murray. Murray? Where, where are you? How did you? Mark, it's Murray! Our accountant? What the hell's he doing here at this hour? Murray, what happened? Where are Paul and Jamie? <laughs> They're where? In the well? In the mine shaft? They don't go to bars. Mark, please. Murray, go on. Oh, my God. Paul and Jamie are trapped in the classroom. In the bathroom? Paul and Jamie are trapped in their bathroom? Okay. Let's go, Murray. You lead the way. Murray, the accountant, killed me. (laughs) And this is the classy lassie scene, obviously, where... They can understand the dog. And Fran's guessing. Well, Mineshaft, blah, blah, blah. When she guesses Mineshaft, Mark goes, they don't go to bars. (laughs) What do you know about the Mineshaft, John? Well, the episode ends with Fran being like, lead the way. So they go to save Paul and Jamie. Now, Russ and I are curious, fellas, who didn't talk about (laughs) this before the episode. (laughs) No, he didn't. I love that you did this, too. Oh, well, I had heard about it before. Oh, but yeah. About this reference or this bar? About the bar. The Mind Shaft, this is from the Wikipedia page, I'm quoting, yep. was a members only BDSM gay bar and sex club located at 835 Washington Street at Little West 12th Street in Manhattan. Sure was. <laughs> oh, Robert Maplethorpe took many yep. pictures of the Mind Shaft and was at one yep. point the, the official photographer. Mm hmm. No, Rock there Hudson, was, Vincent Minnelli. Yeah, mm-hmm. Oh, they were turned away. That's there, was, there was a scat room at the Mind Shaft. What's the, oh, no. Oh, it was. 
filthy. Was uh, did Hus the mine shaft was crazy, John? Oh, there we go. I, that's what I figured. I was gonna say it sounds like yeah. the bar. I, I was gonna say I wonder if cruising shot at the mine shaft. Yes, it was. Yeah, it's the the movie Cruising with Al Pacino. Yeah, you've all seen that about, movie, right? About gay culture. Well, uh, a very specific. <laughs> Yes. Aspect of oh, yeah, gay culture. About, about typical gay culture yeah. <laughs> and scat rooms. Yeah. For uh, an 80 year old senator in 1993, <laughs> it's about gay culture. <laughs> For an educated Folks. person, it's about a tiny pocket. <laughs> well, not tiny. Oh, my God. But a specific pocket of gay culture in the West Village. Rise, guys. Rise, gals. That is going to do it Wait, for us. Wait, hold on, though. Thank- oh, it's what dying. Now? Well, I just, can we, for oh, a second, God. sit on the fact that. <laughs> In the tag, they make a joke about the mineshaft bar. It's crazy. It's a, it is crazy. It feels like something someone joke. said to make them laugh because they all knew it. Yes. And then it got because in. Because they were like, we have to for the eight yep. people that get it. It's so good. It's so, I mean, what it's a so treat. Weird. For all of the times that we say, what a great, rich show, what a deep joke, we never talk about BDSM. <laughs> <laughs> I never conceived of a reference this. No. I mean, I mean, I had to look it up just to be sure. That's how deep it is. Yep. 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 Uh, how deep is your mind? Shaft? Also, it has to be the only time this bar has ever been mentioned on brought on uh, network, network television. television, right? I think you're right. Th- that wasn't in the news. <laughs> <sighs> oh, rise, guys. Rise, gals. Thank you so, so much for Thank listening. Thank you. This was a long one. This was a fun one. Fun, long, uh, everything. That was the slogan of the mind shift. Fun, long, everything. <laughs> Love it. I'm at the Magnet Theater on Tuesday nights with Squash. John, anything going on? Uh, if any of you Angelitos are in town, uh, my short film, This Is That Night, a romantic comedy, is premiering at the Dances with Films Festival on Sunday, June 4th. Hey, Sunday afternoon. I love that. Come out and watch it. Enjoy it. I mean, I don't even know if any of you live out here. Like, I, I feel like I'm maybe talking to no one right now. <laughs> if you have That's- to be out here, come check it out. Make a trip. I'm at Russ Fader. I'm at Johnny Marbles. No H. That's on Twitter. Mine's uh, on Twitter too. At Mad, <laughs> at Mad About You Pod. Yes. Mad about Facebook. Yeah. Facebook. Twitter. <laughs> I'm Russ's sidekick. Yeah. Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rate us. Review us. Right. Review. Great hype man. John right. Marbley. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do double duty. And double duty. <laughs> our theme music is by John D. Ivy. Our logo is by the great Nathan Diffie. They are wonderful. Our sound editing and mixing is by Vuk Ivanovich. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thank you. What a blast. Uh, We look forward to speaking to you again next week. We're going to get out of the way. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. My name is Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And And this this is is what what we're saying. saying.